Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week we discuss our elimination final against MacArthur. We look back and recap the season that was. We catch up with the Mariners head of football, Ken Chembry, and we begin our worldwide search for our new head coach. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Luke, Josh and Morrow. Lads, 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 lads. Good evening for take two because Pete stuffed up the intro the first time. And now I have to try and make it sound natural. <laughs> live live TV, live podcast. How good is it? Yes, yeah, it's very good. Um, There's an outtake. Uh, could have uh, just, you know, fixed it all up in post-production. But um, here we are. That's not how we roll these days on the Coast Football Ramble no. podcast. We, we are uh, professional. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Josh Hay off the bench, which I already Hello, said everyone. before, but now I have to make it sound natural again because you stuffed up the intro. <laughs> you know what? You, wouldn't have, you, you don't have to keep saying it. <laughs> I wanted to say 90th minute substitute with no impact uh, <laughs> as a burn, but like now it doesn't hit the same. Got him. Oh, yes. Anyway, um, there we yeah. are. Yeah. Just call me Stefan Yankovic then. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Josh o. Thank Got you. It's good to be back. It's uh, allowed my work commitments allowed me to be here because of COVID in Sydney. So, all praise to COVID. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> good to be back. Uh, Hello, COVID, everyone. more like Provid. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. That's a couple of buttons out of the way, nice and early. It's nice to see the uh, all the new equipment that we've got. It's very fancy, and I'm yeah. really enjoying it. Yes, that's good. That's Your first good. viewing and hearing. Mm. That's of course, thank you to everyone who donated to the, uh, the yes. Coast Football Ramble GoFundMe and uh, across the CCMFans.net as forum as well. We uh, love you all. Legends. Very every week dearly. we're reminded about how good you people are right? every time we speak <laughs> into these microphones, listen through these headphones and look at that mixer. Yeah, baby. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Um, speaking of donations, of course, uh, Fred's question this week is brought to you by Oz Hammer, who uh, made a very kind donation on the CCMFans.net forum. Uh, Oz Hammer asks this week, given the events that have happened, what sort of coach do we feel that we need moving forward? Stadge has shown that a huge budget isn't necessarily mandatory to a great season and that a united playing group can generally achieve more than a team of disassociated individuals. Is it time to allow one of our own like Monty or Hutch to step up to the plate given that they know the club culture or should the club be casting its net far and wide? Lads, discuss. I, <clears throat> I don't think we need to cast our net too wide. What sort of a coach do we need moving forward? Well, we need someone that wants to play good, attractive football because uh, I think that's what enticed a lot of people back into watching us this season. There's especially early on, we played some pretty good football. We were involved in some pretty uh, exciting games, uh, games where you know we were in the lead pretty comfortably and we could have easily sat back and defended, but we chose to keep on attacking and to keep on going for it. And I think that gained us a lot of, not only maybe a few more of our own fans back, uh, but a bit more respect across the league. So I think if something uh, that will continue in that sort of um, in that sort of same path uh, it would be great, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think any coach that comes here will know the constraints or the restraints that are here at the club. I don't think it's really any secret. Um, I know Monty and Hutch are the two names that are obviously going to come up because I know the club very well. Um, and look, I love Hutch, but I'm I'm not too 
sold on him as being a head coach right now. Um, I think he maybe needs to prove prove a little bit more for me um, until he's ready to step into that role. Um, Monty's got all the licenses, very successful careers, done well with the academy now, and I think we'll get more sort of into the coaches soon, but I'm not against Monty. I'd agree. Is Monty like a natural progression? It feels like I think Monty's the easiest option for me for the club to go with. A so, safe option. Yeah, I, I don't even know if that's that's the word to use, but it's the one that everyone, well, maybe almost everyone, will expect. Doesn't it's not you know outside of um, the sort of philosophical direction that we're likely to take, and I suppose I want to sort of say that um, if I was Alan and Naz then I would have been thinking about this too because they might get this one chance um, to use the good success that they've had here and the profile that's been raised for them and the comeback, if you like, from their previous um, coaching uh, job uh, as a way to, you know, progress their careers. And, uh, you know, sometimes people talk about, um, you know, how, to, how dare us let him go, so to speak. Um, if I take a two- or three-year contract with an employer, any employer – if I want out of it, I resign and I move on. It's not, you know, it's not like we had some right to rope him down or rope them down. So, so I'm not um, disrespectful to them at all. I'm th- thankful that they came here and they gave us. I'm really grateful for what they delivered here and they sort of turned the club around in many respects, along with all of the other work. And we'll hear a bit from Ken about, you know, philosophically what the Mariners are about. And I think that's really important stuff. But I don't firstly think that we can afford big money coaches. We're not that club that is going to go out there and spend, you know, I half think, a million, hundreds of thousands on a successful coach. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing people need to get ahead around is yeah. that we're not going to get in some fancy foreigner. We're not – I don't want him here, but we're not going to get Mark Gruden because he'll be asking for a lot of money. And there's well, these a, are coaches that have succeeded. And arguably. a lot of USBs on the side as well. But <laughs> now listen here, fuckface. <laughs> not, not, not the point. Um, yeah, we're, we're not going to spend – on a coach. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you, you think of the big end of town, like, you, you, should we bring back Arnie? Well, we're never affording that. But um, mm-hmm. in terms of the lesser big end of town but still successful, Rudin was fairly successful at um, Phoenix and he used that opportunity, similar to the way Stadge has, to move on to the next thing. And you can't be disrespectful about that, but you also wouldn't expect him, to that type of coach, to come here and uh, not to command, you know, a, a fair bit of money. So we're, we're just not that club. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think the owner has changed his philosophy either. So all of the way through how many coaches now, maybe all the way back, including Alan, uh, Alan, Graham Arnold, we've gone for a, a coach who was sort of out of style, out of fashion or developing or something that meant that he wasn't a proven coach and he wasn't about to, you know, hit the big time. Um, he had to come here and earn the right to say that he had hit the big time. We've had a fair few fails along the way. But that sort of brings me to something I asked Ken in the interview about the, the theory of developing coaches. Why not? We've, we know that there are coaches out there that um, have the skills and we think that they have the possibility of um, being able to improve themselves, similar to what Alan did, unproven coach, comes here and actually succeeds. So, so yeah, obviously we're going to talk about individuals who can fit into those moulds and Hutch, Monty, Benny Khan. There's other coaches that fit into that um, conversation um, and where – I mean, you look around the league and um, Carl Viet fits into that category. Warren Moon fits into that category. Patrick Kuznobo fits into that category. Um, 
who coaches Melbourne Victory? Grant Brebner got the sack from there, so he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't work out. But but you know that's that's been. Um, a thing is is that um, developing coaches appears to have been something that other clubs have cottoned on to and I, I don't feel afraid for us to try and do that and heartened a little bit by the fact that um, I won't preempt it too much more but Ken talks about um, why that's not such a bad thing and what players are buying into when they come to a club um, and it's not necessarily just following the coach around. Good thoughts? You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Alrighty, let's uh, go and have a look at um, the, I guess it was the final game of the season. Uh, it was the way things ended up. It was the elimination final against MacArthur. And I tell you what, if you had to tell me at the start of the season, we would have been playing a home final. I would have shaken your hand off and to take that deal. But um, it ended uh, with a with a defeat, unfortunately, going down 2-0 um, after 120 minutes of football. Goals to Charles Mwamba and uh, Michael Roos, a couple of youth products who, um, well, Charles Mwamba came through our MPL system and uh, Michael Roos has been playing in their MPL system um, this season. So, yeah, the youth uh, have gone and done it again. But lads, um, yeah, a bit of a <laughs> bit of an anticlimactic way to finish things up, I think. It was frustrating. Mm. Um, it was kind of weird. I, I think I went into that game thinking, I don't care what happens tonight. Um, mm-hmm. I'll still be proud. And I was, I still felt that at full time. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't like you, Moz, who was fighting back the tears. I could tell. <laughs> or like <laughs> my wife who got again. in the car, in the car park and then burst into tears swearing about stage and his late bloody <laughs> substitutions and all those sorts of things. But she doesn't listen to this, so I will not get in trouble. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ring her and tell her. But yeah, I, I was <clears throat> I was still pretty proud of full time. I as frustrating as what the game was, I think I probably reflected on the season and where I thought we will be at that point at the start of the season. Is I did not think we would be where we were. So um, as frustrating as the game and the night was, and we 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 have this knack of being not great on big occasions at home. Yeah. There was what twelve thousand there. Um, I mean, majority of them were our fans. There was. Oh what, yeah. I'm not sure if you know, Pete, but there was majority two hundred. Maybe MacArthur. Yeah, there's only a few hundred. There, wasn't, that, there yeah. wasn't. Not many. many. I mean, to be honest, pretty disappointing for for a final that is two and a half hours away. Well, you know. On a Saturday night, I thought there would be at least a few more. Definitely, yeah. Their first, uh, their um, first season in the A League, um, yeah. you know, tasting some success, a chance of getting through to to a semi final, and they bring three hundred fans up or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, it's borderline embarrassing. Yeah, so it is it is frustrating in that sense that you know a really big occasion at home probably felt like the climax of all the work in the season winning back all them fans and then, <laughs> then that's the result we get <laughs> in a pretty frustrating performance uh, but I was okay. F-bombing coming but I think finishing third was a fucking amazing achievement. <laughs> Copy. Oh, you know, us four sitting in this room pre-season, where did we all think we were going to finish? We thought we were probably going to be bottom two and where did we finish? Top three. Yeah. and I mean That's, and an, that's an amazing achievement from Stadge, the yeah. From the players and everyone involved with the club, you can swing. You can swing the season however you want. You can say COVID. You can say, you know, limitations on good players sort of coming. You can you can throw whatever you want. Reduce buddy salary cap. Whatever. At the end of the day, we still played twenty six games and then we finished third. And we showed 
We showed what it means to be a proud team again and a proud club again. We, we there was something there for the fans to actually enjoy and to to and I did enjoy it. Um, but like going back, don't not without going all over the stuff that you've already gone over before the game. I'm doing my whole loose cannon thing and um, I had Jimmy in there give me a hand because it was a massive crowd and the crowd is no shit. It's all the way up the street. First past, time I've seen a lineup. Yeah, for tickets it was ridiculous. In. And, and yeah. I, I, but with 10 minutes to go before them gates opening, Jimmy and I were standing on the top of the steps looking down over that crowd with, the, with Lauren, whose surname escapes me right now, but a lady who I've stood next to for the last... 10 years, I don't know, at the gate and it's always been down fans and low crowds and no interest and nobody wants to be there, probably including us, except that it was her job and also my job. Um, (laughs) But we stood up there gobsmacked at these people outside and just going, wow, look at this, this is fantastic. How long has it been since we got to experience this kind of thing? So the elation was there before we even you know, got near playing the game. I went upstairs, ordered a sausage on a roll and I got stuck in the queue, I swear, for 15, maybe 20 minutes. I haven't seen a queue there for 15, 20 years, it seems like, but actually it's probably only about five years um, (laughs) or more but not much more, and then finally um, did what I really wanted to do, like the grand final, as I said last time, and um, joined you guys in the Bay. And the feeling there, without the game even starting, was just proud and elated and um, super stoked and looking around at this massive crowd like we haven't seen for so many years and um, going, wow, how good is this? Um, Then there was the game. And, um, you know, I don't know if we'll go around and um, have, a, have our thoughts about the game uh, separately, but um, overall, I don't think anything happened on the pitch that made me feel like, you know, we gave it up. We didn't back down. Um, we Good use uh, of the tagline, Aaron. Well yeah. done. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, intentional. Um, we, we got a little bit unlucky. Um, I don't think we got robbed, as some people probably might have thought, um, but um, we, we got a bit unlucky and um, it was probably okay. So eventually what brought some tears near my eyes but was really just the moisture in the evening. But, <laughs> but aside from that, when Simo and Beerus were seen after the game and the mood that them pair were in, then that was enough to bring a little bit of a tear to the mm. eye, I'd have to say, and, and, and so it was. Um, but it wasn't until... Probably just before Roos, is that his name? Rice? Rouse? Whoever that bloke was. He, with his bad celebration, give it up, buddy. Um, He, it wasn't until he scored that I even contemplated that we were done. Like, it still occurred to me that we weren't done because we were right in it. The only thing we hadn't done was was, um, get the goal and... uh, yeah, we're unlucky. Uh, That's what the finals are, though, aren't they? It's it's the essentially it's essentially a mini cup tournament, and it's it's probably a wider conversation about what context do the finals play uh, in the season? Because I mean, you've got the game on the weekend with Melbourne City, mm. and if they lose that, they're out. Mm. But they finish first in the season over a twenty-six game season. They finish there. They're the best team in the league by a fair way for me over the whole season um, and then they lose one game and then all of a sudden they're not really considered. They're or forgotten they're, about. Yeah. It's, big way. It'll be, you know, let's say they lose and then Sydney go on to be champions. It'll be all about how they've gone back to back to back and not about how well Sydney played for the whole season right. over the full thing. But that's just how it is in Australia and that's how our finals are. And, I mean, we beat MacArthur reasonably comfortably three times – 
yeah. during the season, put in some really good performances, and then we come out and have that sort of a night against them in that sort of one-off, and then it's all done. <laughs> so it's, it, it makes me yeah. think that we've got the wrong final system, and uh, we do. I, and I yeah. really feel like it's you can't say it because it's sour grapes, Mariners fan, blah blah blah. But the original final system where three and four played each other twice, one and two played each other twice. The loser yep. of the big games um, played against the winner of the smaller games and uh, we make a grand final out of it. This was a way of doing it that didn't have that kind of um, great season dropped out after one game sort of mentality around it. So, And luck, like thinking about the game itself, the whole Mbomboa and I mean I love to see one of our former youth getting a goal in a big game like that but yeah, hits the post who is that the way, the, Sh- Shusha, the way it came about Shushanetta hits yeah. the post gets lucky ball in and front and I mean poor pretty poor defending by us as well out wide in the corner I can't we just switched I, off momentarily I rolls I think it was yeah I can't remember who whipped the ball in but Lewis Miller and I'm going to because it was on the left I'm going to assume it was Jack Clisby it might not have been so apologies to him even though he's left now so who cares but um, <laughs> there was a cross whipped in and there was Two of our players near enough to the guy with the ball to block the cross and neither of them really made the effort to and that's what led to the goal. So just Yeah, I think I think was it was Franich and I think yeah. I think Clisby was out near him and maybe could have made more of preventing the cross. Mm. It was a short cross to um Sushieda who had um, snuck into this little spot in between roundabout where the edge of the eighteen yard box on that side was. And so he he was a little bit left alone there just momentarily. Mm. Has the shot, gets lucky when or gets unlucky because it doesn't go in the goal. Gets lucky though when it comes off the post and falls straight in front of Charles. Yeah. And um, you know, then it's easy, but it's just a big stroke of luck. And then after that, there's this massive bus. Like they might not have bought fans, but they bought buses. <laughs> and uh, they parked them big time. They went full Jose. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know That wasn't a surprise coming from that look, team though. Well They did what they had to. Well, and that's what you do do. Um, I guess my only disappointment is that part of the game, and it would have been other people's as well, that we we put in a lot of crosses. They weren't great crosses, a lot of them. We didn't find a way to break down that bus. And I felt and in the you first know. half, we just could not get on the ball. Yeah, actually, they... They had some stupid yeah. bloody possession stat in the first half. We could not get near the thing. And yeah. then, yeah, as you say, in the second half, it was... We sort of turned that round until the send-off. Yeah. And then they parked the then bus. Then they parked the bus again. <laughs> uh, the, so the send-off, the goal was there. Um, and uh, so once they got the goal, they could park the bus. They did park the bus. And what we really needed then was sort of game breaker who could dribble around or find yeah. that incisive ball behind. And I didn't think we had that, to be honest. I, I, and I was looking out there thinking, where is it? going to come from and you know it was probably Danny De Silva would have been the person I thought could have been that person and he has been um, uh, but not in this game I mean it's it rem- looking at the goals of the season on Mariners just recently reminded me of the way the capability that Danny had that didn't happen that night example he brings the ball from in their half to Alou makes the one two with Alou runs to the edge of the box and then smashes it in the far top corner mm. that's what we needed and we didn't have that. We had crosses that didn't make it over the first man. I thought we were watching the bloody Socceroos with uh, Tim Cahill <laughs> in the box, cross after cross after cross after cross. And we just, at the end of the day, we just ran out of ideas. And I think, like you said before, I never felt like we never felt like we gave up. Never felt like we were sort of necessarily out of the game. But I think I did feel like that we're not going to break them down here at 
It was after, hard to see where. It, yeah, after How? sort of the 80th minute, I thought this is going to be one of those nights where they're going to snag one and then that's really going to be it and that's essentially what happened. And uh, Yeah, the second goal I don't really care about because they don't score it if uh, Kai doesn't get any cramp and it was that late on it was we're playing you know, kind of irrelevant. The, we're playing so. two at the back yeah, by then. Yeah, we were going for it. It's Yeah, it is what it is. So, yeah. And the, we have to speak about the Bowman non-goal. That was the one time we got him behind MacArthur was when Bowman was put through. Yeah, I was at him. He finished it off really well. Yeah, he did. And I he frustrated me the rest of that game. <laughs> but he did finish that well. And it was uh, unfortunate that it was disallowed. But I, I was adamant that it was a goal on the night because my very poor reading of the rule was that, well, the defender played at it. So that makes him onside. But that's apparently not right. Um, I think the rule is, is that he played at it because... He was offside because he, yeah, because he, so played, it's, he had to play at it to whatever the rule is, is yeah. convoluted. Well, it, it's convoluted and I think actually that, you know, I'm the big whinger about the VAR and I'm whinging again that we're, we're instead of talking about how the decision was or it wasn't, now we're talking, we're trying to rebuild the rules of football now. All of a sudden, blokes, who've under, blokes and women who've understood the rules forever, all of a sudden don't understand the rules. So mm. I suppose the question is, when he plays as it, at it, if you read the rules, does he have to play at it in terms of playing the ball? I'm playing the ball to you, not I'm sticking my leg out to make the block well some would say that's not that doesn't matter actually what matters is that is he making a save well it doesn't really say making a save has to be in the box or on the line is he saving that guy from running in behind and scoring the goal like he did so it's like brenton speed it's so annoying <coughs> yeah well why are we re-debating rules of a game we've loved for a hundred years yeah Stop it, VAR. Go away. Get rid of all of this rule indecision crap because what's happening is we're now ch- rebuilding new rules to suit how the VAR looks at stuff. Mm. We've now got a different handball rule, different foul play rule, different offside rule. Give it up. Just go back to uh, goal line technology and let the linesmen put their flag up when they see an off t- offside. And that is Aaron Morrow's weekly VAR rant. rant of the week. Might have to have a segment, Morrow's rant. It happens anyway. I love it. I love it. That's, that's play on. That's good. But yeah, it was, it was a frustrating night, but yeah, one that I didn't really dwell on no, that was, long. Yeah, I, I rocked up to, to um, the game that I was coaching on Sunday and um, one of the girls in my team said, um, oh, how are you feeling this morning? You know, you must be really disappointed. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually not. Like, you know, I just... I was I was very pensive. I was very reflective of the season that we had, um, and yeah, it it only really sort of clicked a couple of days later when I was like, oh shit, you know what? That's that's it. There's no mm. more. There's no more football. Well, there's no yeah. more A League football. Like, sad, but yeah, you know that was that was that was all it was. And must be said, mm. good performance by yourself yep. uh, in the bay. Great performance <laughs> on the capo stand in a very full bay, which is the first time I've been that full Mate, for oh. a long time. It was good fun. Yeah, uh, um, like good, good atmosphere. Yeah, I won't take full credit to the boys. Uh, full credit to the boys. <laughs> yeah, mentions there to Jimmy and to Eggy down <laughs> yeah, there. Eggy must have had the reddest chest on earth after yeah. the game, and yeah. Jimmy smashing away at the ju- drum, keeping everyone lively. Yeah, would have got blisters so for sure. Um, no, that that was. Um, it was a team effort. That was yeah. That was the entire bay. Like I'd love to take credit for it, but having done it for that long, um, I know that what what any person that does with a megaphone in front of that bay is absolutely nothing without the person behind them. So to every single person that was in Bay Sixteen, and every single person in the stadium who you know made any sort of atmosphere and got involved with it, because the whole stadium was fucking. Mm absolutely rocking yeah um for the entire 120 minutes so 
um, pat yourselves on the back. Yes, um, done done an outstanding job, and um, yeah, well done. It was good to see all the academy kids down the bottom of the bay as well. They, were they loving contributed it. Loving a lot. It. Loving it. Yeah. And as a prawner, thanks for that term, Brennan. Um, <laughs> as a prawner, then coming down and spending my time in the bay, loved it. Fantastic. I thought atmosphere. something smelled off in the bay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I didn't say off prawns. I just said prawner. Thank you, Brennan, again. Aged, and uh, age prawn. Age. Settle down. <laughs> Enough. Age prawn. It was good to be in the bay. It was great Roll times. It, even if we, you know, didn't win the game, then um, I loved enjoy that, enjoying those moments with you guys. Yeah, yeah. and that's Unreal. what is good fun about the active. That's so. what I'm not about. too sure about the call there sometime during the second half when the capo says Aaron Morrow to the capo stand. I was like, <laughs> up go the fingers, <laughs> hiding in the back row. Yeah. Um, I mean, just on the, the, the academy guys down the front, um, that is the next generation. And hopefully what happened in the bay and across the stadium that night, you know, results aside – sort of crystallises how much fun it is to be in active support. Because I remember when the season kicked off, um, or when the when the A-League kicked off, rather, you know, I was 15 years old. And the first thing I did, I looked over to Basic Center. I'm like, fuck, that looks cool. Like, that's where I want to be. Formative. Um, yeah, with my little, you know, emo fringe and whatever I had going on at the time, <laughs> cheer up emo kid T-shirt t- from JJ's. And I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm getting straight in there. And that, that was it. You know, I was hooked straight away. So hopefully that really crystallises, like I said, yeah, just how fun it is and just how good it can be. Yep, gave the club something to build on for next season. Yep, for, for sure. For next season and beyond. Yep. And just people, individuals, get in there, people. If you went in there, you cannot have escaped without thinking how good was that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, once you get in, yeah, it's likely that you're going to stay, I think. Yeah, 100%. That's what happened to me. So I, was, the next I was in Bay 7 till I was 17, I think, and then when I went into the Bay, I haven't gone back. So that's what makes it good fun. Get around, it. It fun. get around it. See you in the Bay next season. Oh, I might not, but, you know. <laughs> I'll be prawning out for a while, but I'll be hoping for a final so I can come back down and enjoy it with you boys. True. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you back in the finals, mate. <laughs> the best thing and the away the, days. Yeah, oh, the away days. <laughs> it's oh. all about the friends you make along the way. Oh, that is so corny. <laughs> <laughs> be more corny. <laughs> So, yes, joining us this week on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, we have the Mariners' head of football. It is Uncle Ken Shembury. Ken, how you doing? Yeah, good afternoon, Pete. How are you? Yeah, sensational, sensational. It's, um, it's good to be here. It's been, uh, been an interesting uh, interesting couple of weeks in, uh, in the Mariners' sphere. Um, I guess, how, um, how did you assess the end of the season, firstly, and um, especially the, uh, the MacArthur's game in particular? Um, I guess if you you know, weighed up the whole season in perspective, maybe without the MacArthur game, you, you know, you'd certainly call it a successful season from where we came to where we uh, finished. You might recall earlier in the year, I, it did indicate that we had some, you know, ambitions and I felt that we would be more successful in the year because of the foundation that we'd set with in the years before with some young kids coming through and to be fair to those boys, they were uh, success stories for us you know, across the board. Um, having said that, um, you know, I think most of us feel a bit disappointed about the playoff series. I think we all thought um, we had the capabilities to go further in the series than we went. Um, the performance on the uh, night in the semi final against MacArthur. I felt we let the fans down, personally. I think 12,000 people, Central Coast Stadium buzzing. We didn't give them a goal to cheer for. The game was there for the taking and, 
you know, on the night we came up short and, you know, I was devastated as everybody else but I did feel for the the patrons on the on the night and, you know, would have dearly loved the challenge to have gone one more week to have a crack at Sydney. But, you know, if you don't score goals, you don't win games. So Did MacArthur come into that match and do anything differently from, from the outside it looked like they probably didn't? <laughs> oh, no, I think they did. Yeah, they changed their formation on the night. Um, they certainly played with a back three and two wing backs, which they hadn't done um, one, on one other occasion all year. On the three occasions we'd played them, they played a back four. And uh, so we expected them to maybe do something different. Um, do you think we were, were we sort of prepared for that or...? Yeah, I don't think that was the issue. I think genuinely, you know, they. Lo- to be honest, I would have preferred them not to have a player sent off. You know, I think mm-hmm. the game changed a little bit and they actually sat back then because they had to sit back and that closed up the space in behind them where they're traditionally vulnerable. And so where we normally get in behind them and you might recall when we were away, Cliz got in behind them a lot of times on the left-hand channel. Well, they just sat deep and then they played in transition. And as a consequence of that, you know, little Charlie who we had before you know, Bob's up and nicks a goal that... Is he one that got away? Oh, no, no, you know, we were keen to keep Charlie all along, but, you know, that's footy. You can't keep them all, um, whether it was Charles, whether it was Lockie Wales, whether it was Trent, you know. Um, you know, even young Parsons who's up in Brisbane, you know, had a year, year and a half with us and he's doing very well for himself right now and we didn't bring the best out in him. So, you know, good young, good luck to the young and I think that's, I think that's part of the game. You can't get them all. What was the solution that we sort of didn't have on the night? What did we need to do when they did park the bus? Because it was pretty obvious that they had and it seemed like the main thing that we threw at them was crosses. Yeah, I think we should have been a bit more patient in possession and tried to drag them out, you know. And uh, once you start playing the whole game with 22 players in the front third of the park, it's uh, pretty crowded, right? Whereas normally they play a high line and uh, they sit around the halfway line and you've got plenty of room to play in behind. Well, that didn't exist. We had chances, of course, and didn't, you know, we didn't take them and we didn't defend one moment where we had two defenders that should have blocked the cross and the ball landed with Sisayeta and it hits the post, it pops up in the air, it could have gone out the other side and no drama, but, and they and they get one and, look, I'm not bothered about the last goal, one iota at the end of the day, that that didn't matter, you're bombing on and pushing on and Rosie got cramped, so, yeah, it's one of those things, but... It was the, the goal three minutes into the extra time that hurt us. And, you know, I think we should have... I think if you had to play that game again, you'd want to win it in 90 minutes, wouldn't you? Mm. And, and and most people say, well, if it go, the longer it goes, the better. But when they nick one in extra time, it, that's painful. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm pretty confident had we played them more, you know, we played them four times, won three. Well, had a draw, really. Had three wins and a draw, didn't we, I guess, but got beaten extra time. But... Yeah, so unfortunately, you don't progress in playoff series. That's the rules. Do you think the referee um, or the VAR or the combination of both had much of an effect on the game? Some people think that we should have had a goal in normal time. Bowman um, uh, was caught offside. When yeah, he... look, uh, I think technically as the rule is written, it was correct. I don't blame the ref, but I think the rule's poor. And, uh, you know, when you get a subjective call on things like that, but it is the rule, so... I've got no drama with it personally. I think there was some, you know, a few other VARs during the year that would have been a lot worse than that one. So I guess even we saw Dan Hall come in for the last few games after Ruan uh, mm. had been caught up to the Socceroos, obviously in Disbit, getting plenty of game time towards the end of the season. 
Lewis Miller as well. What are your thoughts on sort of those those sort of academy guys that have got sort of plenty of game time towards the end? Yeah, it was good. I mean, obviously, I think Dan's proven his worth at our club and, you know, has put himself uh, in strong contention to be retained and done very well. And, um, you know, uh, most people know I'm a big fan of Dan's anyway, but I think he's... Uh, he didn't let anybody down that uh, were believers in his ability um, and um, had a tough gig, right? He ended up playing in the, at the back end when you, mm. get, you don't get any time for – so he had a lot of pressure. Uh, but he did very well. I think Lewis uh, started to come on at the back end of the year and we saw where he was a little bit earlier in the year. He was powerful in getting forward. Um, but as I was alluded to earlier, I think we were pretty poor in the front third with our crossing ability and – there's an area to fix. It's probably beating the first defender with our cross. Yeah. So I guess we didn't have too much time to really dwell on that with the news sort of of the last week. So I guess what's what's the last week sort of been like and how did we end up where we are now? Yeah, well, from I think the club's perspective, uh, look, Alan and Naz have been pretty transparent all along with myself and the club about the possibility that that, you know, that may have been the case. And, uh, you know, when... I think you've got to take into account when anybody, coaches, seek an employment position, you weigh up a number of factors to before you accept a job. And uh, it's not just about not wanting to keep people. That's not the case. In this case, um, you know, they made a decision that they were seeking a new challenge after taking into account their family situations and the travel that they had to have and the commitment. And we all know the commitment's massive. So when they weighed up all their factors and probably and from where they've taken our club, you know, from where we were, the cellar dwellers to the playoff material, they'd achieved, they've ticked a lot of boxes, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I think that's part of the professional game. And, um, you know, the best thing that can happen is that Alan Naz can go on to something bigger and better and that's fine, that's good. That's, you know, we are a developing club. We shouldn't forget that, whether it's... Um, young players or coaches, that's who we want to be. And so I don't have any drama and, you know, I hope Alan and Naz go and get better jobs and, you know, hopefully overseas would be my call rather than playing against us, obviously. But um, should that be the case, that's the professional game we live in. Do you think was was there a sense from them that maybe the goalposts had moved from our perspective or they hadn't moved at all? It was, it was always going to be this is how we are, we... You know, yeah, I think don't mate, have a lot of money, but I think people know who the Mariners are. Yeah. Like we we um, we're fairly uh, uh, clever, if you like, with mm -hmm. our money, and uh, you know we have to make astute signings, and you know, and we will always have a pool of youngsters supplementing a senior squad, and um, that's not only who we are, but it's who we want to be as well. And you know, all around the world, there's. Lots of clubs like us, you know, um, you know. You can talk about the EPL, and I'm sure everybody wants to be one of the big four, you know. But if you talk about the clubs with good academies, good development, and then they have successful seasons, you know, there's West Ham United are a great example of that category, right? And then very rarely do they make the top four or get to Europe or whatever. But you know, they produce great kids and they go on. And whether they play at Man U or Liverpool or whatever, it's yeah, that's part of their brief. And sure, they want to win the league just as we wanted to win the league this year and just as we were upset that we didn't win the league. But when you keep it in perspective, um, I think overall, um, you know, we all need to understand who we are and will be. Um, we're a small region. You know, the biggest membership base we're going to get is probably 12,000 and 
you know, we're half of what Melbourne City's got, Melbourne Victory's got, Sydney FC's got. Like, so, you know, when you only got half the members going to the games and things like that, then the amount of funds that are available to invest back into the game is limited. And the same with sponsorship and marketing. It's an area that, you know, we don't do as well at because of where we're located. How many multinational companies have we got on the coast? Handful, right? So unless you can land a big motor company and or something like that that's, you know, Australia-wide, national-wide, um, that makes it all the more difficult for a regionally-based club to be successful because, you know, the region is a limiting factor, right? So, um, but yeah, look, I think overall, um, you know, Alan Naz did a top job, um, really pleased with their efforts and, you know, want to congratulate them on their work and we've all done that and, and hopefully they, you know, have made a good, successful decision for themselves. Do you think even as disappointing as it is that sort of a good foundation has been set, not sort of only on the field but I guess also off the field where there may have been a few issues in the past, um, do you think that's sort of been laid in place now so for sort of for no matter who sort of comes in next, they've got something there to sort of work with and not sort of starting from scratch again, I guess? Oh, yeah, we're miles ahead of scratch now. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's in the the player pool, the resource pool, the structures, you know, we've changed the football structure. You know, my role started nine months ago, so we've now got a person who's had nine months more experience in that role where we'll have more retained players this year than any other year, in my view. We're already working on building the nucleus of our team so that we're more than competitive and want to improve on the team that we had. That's our aim. Um, and whilst that, um, people will say, oh, that's impossible unless you've got dollars. Uh, part of that is true, but I don't believe that's all All of it. You know, at the beginning of the year, if you took go back to day one, how many people would have said players like Alu Kual, Dan Hall would be, you know, regular players in our team? So, you know, and th those boys came from academy players earning very, very small incomes, right? So I think that's okay. I think our foundation's good. So you talk a bit about DNA and who we are and what our identity is and, and, and maybe what it should be as well. And uh, I am a bit of a believer, I have become a bit of a believer in the fact that that does transpose into the coaching arena. And we'll probably focus on coaching in this conversation a bit more soon. But is it fair to say that the club thinks that part of our DNA is to be a coach developer as well? So, so we're not that club that's going to go out and uh, pay money for a coach who's already experienced, already um, made his name, already had big success and, and pay the money for that. We're the kind of club who's going to find a coach who is on the up, has the right um, underlying pieces to bring it together um, to, to have the next success, similar to the way Stadge has been, probably yeah. similar to the way that lots of our coaches have been, even though some of them haven't succeeded in making a, a success? Yeah, look, I think that's pretty accurate, Aaron. You know, like I make no secret of the fact that I think um, our club should consider, whilst not lock it in, that we should be considered giving young Australian coaches the opportunity to flourish and uh, get the opportunity to coach in the A League now. Not everyone likes that. I understand that, but you know. But I think our, for, for our club, and certainly, you know, I think our views are that um, there's nothing wrong with developing that. Um, I'm a believer of the Australian coaching system, and you know, I look around the A League this year, and 
by far the majority of coaches are our own, our own boys and, you know, we could rattle off 10 names of good other coaches who haven't coached at our level that haven't got the opportunity because there's only 12 jobs in the country, right? So I think that's a big issue, but I want to be that sort of club that can offer someone another two-year term here that can develop it and then if they go on to something bigger and better, that's okay as long as what you said before, we don't rock the balance in our structure. So, you know, um, in my opinion, the days of players following coaches is long gone. Like that's, you know, players are keen to play for clubs for different reasons. Now, we're a regionally based club, we're a good place to live, we have a great team culture now, we've got a good environment, it's a fun place to be and the majority of players want to be part of that. Now, whether that's Alan coaching or someone else coaching, I think they'll weigh that up. Of course, they like they like to, you know, get the best possible coach they can to get the result. And I think most of them work with that. You know, I don't, I don't see that as a limiting factor at all. Well, we want to win, of course, but mm. at the same time, that for me anyway, and maybe for others, not everybody, but for me, there's a, there's, a, there's always been this sense of pride about the, the players that have come out of this place mm. um, for whatever reasons. And, and there's a little bit of a sense of pride at what um, Alan and, and Naz have achieved for us and delivered to us. And then they've kind of walked away with their heads held high. And, sure. and we can see the possibility that we might see them somewhere kind of special and get to enjoy that future with them in a way right. um, so, uh, so, nothing yeah. better like a, you know like when when you've worked in coaching the great feeling quite often is when you're not coaching on the day and you're sitting in the grandstand and you've had some influence either on that club or the playing roster that's in playing in front of you and you know and think and, you know, so I think that I know for myself that nothing better than watching kids wearing the green and gold or wearing our colours that you've had some involvement in from a young age right so uh, I think, you know, Alan and Naz will always be welcome at, at our stadium and be part of the scenery. But, you know, good decision by them. We move on. We try to find the next best candidate that we believe can help us on our journey. Not every person's going to agree with the decision, but not every person agrees he's a good footballer or not, right? Possibly those guys who are possibilities for our coach have it in their heads that this is their stepping stone to actually do what Alan did and to sure. have, a, have start out at the bottom and actually achieve some sort of positivity out of it. Not everyone succeeded. We've got a bit of a list of coaches who haven't. But if the structure is here at the club to attract that kind of coach, then, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that quite a bit. Well, nice to hear. <laughs> I guess um, you, you touched on it a little bit there in terms of um, player retention. Um, what would be your sort of role in that current situation without having a head coach in place? And when did those uh, conversations start with players? Uh, we've been negotiating with players for a bit. We, we went on hold a little bit once we got close to the um, playoff series. And uh, we made a decision with Al and Naz to, OK, let's park all conversations about... Uh, player retention for a, from about a couple of weeks out from the playoffs, Pete. And then um, obviously we resurrected them 24 hours after being eliminated and we got on with the job, right? So, yeah, so that's true. Um, but, um, you know, everybody also wants to know all the time, but, you know, we'll, we'll roll them out shortly. How much of a role are you sort of having in that? Because I think a lot of people will be saying, well, we're, we're making re-signings and players are sort of leaving without a head coach. So I guess is that on you? Is that on you and Sean? Is that – how does, how does uh, that it, It'll be on me. But, you know, nobody's leaving that we didn't know about yeah. some time ago and had planned for. And, you know, when you talk about – well, at the moment there's only two players in the whole club 
that are leaving that uh, have made earlier decisions about their future. So, you know, when you talk about a, a roster of 20-odd players, well, you know, Clis made a, a family decision combined with a footballing decision to return to his home in Perth. Um, and in an economic climate, he made a sensible decision that we support, you know. So we all know pretty hard to buy a house on the coast, right? And then uh, we go to Perth, Perth and back to his home state and set up a, set up his family and away he goes. So, you know, we, he goes with our blessing, you know. And Danny made the decision to go to the Bulls and um, we were aware of that, um, you know. So that's football, you know. At the end of the day, if he sees that that might play his style more, he gets a better opportunity or he wants a, he wanted a new challenge for himself and he enjoys driving from the Central Coast to Campbelltown every day, you know. Well, good luck to him. So at the end of the day, that's just an individual decision for a footballer. But, you know, two players leaving, I don't call that departures at all. So I guess was there any effort to keep either of them or was it a case of sort no, of a conversation no, I, between yeah, us? We, no, we... Com- Obviously, we had conversations with both players about yep. staying and then during those conversations, you know, they did the right thing and advised us of their departures. So that's all I good. guess it gets to a point where it sort of becomes clear where we maybe can't compete or they've laid all the sort of oh, laid all the facts well, on the yeah, table. Well, and I think, in, you know, certainly in Jack's case, it, was, uh, it wasn't about competing. It wasn't about – it wasn't a monetary decision at all, mm. right, you know. And, and Danny made his decision on a personal basis rather than uh, – offers on the table or whatever like so we knew beforehand in their cases and that's fine um but the, you know, the rest of the roster is well underway so what about tv deal and the impact that that has on our ability to um retain players and attract other players and maybe even our ability to target other players in the other um clubs rosters it seems like the fact that it wasn't finalized made it difficult for any club to have long-term contracts through this period yeah, I would suggest that no club in the A-League is using the TV deal to change its financial structures for the next 12 months. Um, those deals may grow over time, I suggest, but right now, um, you know, there's a new deal in place that will provide some revenue, but there was some revenue in this year already from the previous Foxtel arrangement, right? So um, it's not like there's bucket loads of more money coming in under the TV deal. What about in the same sort of vein as that, the changes to the cap? How does that impact how we can sort of recruit and retain? Well, the changes in the cap are a little bit um, false. Um, Last year we had a 10-month season. People forget that. This year we have a 12-month season coming up. So, you know, when you do your mathematics, if the... If the salary cap floor was about 1.8 million last year, well, that was for 10 months, you need to add on... 360k on top of that for two more months so then you're at 2.1 well the cap this year is 2.2 the salary floors at 2.25 so you're not talking a lot more money really in the in the range in the cap um whether clubs are in a position to use potential new rules outside of the cap uh, we won't we won't consider that um i don't think we'll head down that path um so on the financial model for us will be a similar model to last year what would you say, it's pretty well known, I think, that Mike Charlesworth is not a great believer in the cap. What do you think about the presence of the cap and, and we're the smallest club in the league, so mm. surely the cap is designed to help clubs like us to compete with the big clubs who happen to have finished first and second and are going to make it into the grand final? Uh, look, personally, I don't mind clubs spending what they got 
Look, it doesn't bother me personally. I think at the end of the day, there's plenty of examples of teams around the world that, um, you know, will put good teams together. You might not end up winning everything if it's about just about winning. And But competitions, you know, are about a number of club participating in a sport. It's not just about everybody winning a competition because reality says, you know, history will tell you um, that's not the case. Do you think, though, that this year that was an advantage for us at the start of the year, that the cap drop happened at a strategic time and for, that it sort of advantaged us because we might have been more prepared uh, compared to clubs who had to shed players because they were already over the cap? Is any of that... I don't know. Well, can you tell me legitimate? any club that shed anybody that you would have kept? Oh, probably the big clubs got rid of players to places like India, um, La Fonda, these kind of players. Yeah, they might have been outside the cap for all well, I know. Funny how they were back at the critical yeah, time. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's <laughs> a, that's the sort of point that I'm trying to get at. That at the start of the season, that seemed to be a bit of an advantage for us that those clubs seemed to have to get rid of players. But later oh, on, then no, I think, they are all no, right I, back. I don't think it's a cap. I think that was COVID. I think COVID had an impact and our competition was a shortened competition. And as a consequence of that, players could players could only earn less over 10 months and therefore the money being offered in an Indian competition was substantially higher. So, you know, I don't want to speak for Lafondra, but he's gone over and got a contract, done well, come back and picked up a kicker. That's that's footy, right? Yeah. So, you know, like um, I, I actually think our, our improved performance is not just around money. You know, I... One person, one or two people use the line, you know, we're an anomaly this year. To that I say, bring on next year because are we going to be an anomaly next year when we're successful? And the year after, well, there's just different models around about how you put football teams together. And our model is getting better and I think it will only improve because our academy is getting stronger and the plot, there's more and more youngsters coming through who could be more potential successful story so young you know we've only had young Jing Reese with us for 12 months but he's on an aeroplane the next few days to mm. Denmark for a, for a trial with a decent club right so you know that's another success story people you know and even my friends say to me I have a coffee with them every morning like why are we getting rid of our best kids well that's who we are you know, we're a developing club that wants to provide opportunities for a Lou Quile overseas. And if he goes to Stuttgart and becomes a world story, how great's that, that we were the we were the nursery for such a boy. Yeah, and it can't be doubted that we did come up with some really good decisions in terms of youth and that was part of the fuel for this year. It seems like a bit of a combination of the yeah. preparation, the COVID, the fact that we had great uh, youth product coming through and that um, Naz and... Uh, and Stadge really knew how to sort of channel that and also how to build a culture here as opposed to talk about a culture as at least one of our other coaches had done in the past. <laughs> sure. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't sort of think that, but there's been plenty of theories about why why we started well sort of uh, appeared to tail off, although uh, I don't know if I even believe that, to be that, honest. Well, that's, yeah, look, I think the challenge for us is how do we start next year, right? And if we start the same way and we become a competitive force, then, you know, we won't be treated like wooden spooners and everybody just thinks we're everybody else's whipping boys. But, you know, um, I think the improvement's been coming for a while. And now once you set a foundation and a base, um, then, then, you know, your roster gets stronger per year. The more often you can keep 12 players on your roster and build on that, then the better you're going to be, right? So, 
I think next year, these boys have all played together for a year. That can only put us in better stead than when we started at the beginning of this year. For sure, definitely. I think the um, the big question on everyone's mind at the moment is uh, the, the search for a new head coach and sort of how that's progressing, what that process looks like as well. Sure. Uh, the process has started and that um, – um, it'll be a two two prong process. We're going to do. Uh, we've already started shortlisting a, a number of candidates into a core group that will uh, do an initial interview process, and then probably seven days or so later, um, that shortlist will be whittled down to two or three, and then those participants will be required to present again, and uh, we'll make the final decision from that group. You know, that's pretty well, you know, that we, we, there's a criteria that we've asked for. Candidates will need to address certain things about that we're looking for in that. And, you know, we're going to look for A, the best football coach we can get and B, the person that uh, truly understands who the Mariners are and what we are and can fit that dynamic uh, to produce, you know, produce footballers in a in a competitive environment that allows us to, you know, buy, sell, whatever, trade, whatever we have to do with uh, our assets. So that's a sort of two or three week sort of process that's... Um, yeah, it might be. It could be quicker, Pete. Like, yeah. you know, um, there's no, on a footballing front, there's no rush other than we do want the coach to have say in the, obviously, the you know, six or seven players that are needed to fill the roster. That's vital and important. So that's the biggest reason to get on with it, I think. Um, you know, the players are going on holidays. They'll be on holidays all of July anyway. Um, but having said that, uh, you know, you want the coach working in the background going, right, you know, him and I will get in conversations about these are the areas we think we need to improve on, these are the players we want to debate about. Who do we want to bring to the club? Who can we afford to bring to the club and start that process, right? So um, I think sooner the better. Um, I don't, I'm hoping it's not a delayed process. I guess there's, a, there's, well, I mean, there's one obvious choice that springs to mind if you ask, if you ask a whole bunch of um, fans. <laughs> no, I'm going to say Nick Montgomery, yeah. not, yeah. Obviously, you don't need to name names, but I guess is sort of there anyone on the list that might be a bit sort of left of field that maybe isn't sort of at the top of anyone's thoughts right now or is it sort of a... I don't know who's in your thoughts. So, uh, <laughs> you know, well like I, I think, like, I, you know, I'm I'm not a social media buff, but, you know, occasionally p- people show me Pete's comments. Which is <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's what I talked about. No, it could be a good... No, I, do, I, do know, I do notice you're defending the cause occasionally, so it's great. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, uh, you know... The person we want has to know the Mariners, right? So they, um, that and they've got to have a good understanding of the game, whether it's played or coached at a reasonable level, um, have qualifications to go with that. So yeah, you know we're looking for a pro licensed coach. That's one of the criteria, right? We're we're looking for somebody that can grow with our club, work within the dis- dimensions of our club. That's true, but at the same time, understand who we are and get on with the top, right? Um, they need to bring to the club a, a philosophy and then we'll try and introduce that philosophy across the club. So we'll have a discussion around that philosophy to continue from where we've got to. The culture's already started. Um, you know, I don't see moving too far from some of the things we've been doing well at. But, uh, yeah, if you're asking me whether Monty will be a candidate, yeah, the answer is yes. 
you know, of course he would be. Why wouldn't he be a candidate? But there's a few others that, you know, want to be candidates as well. So we'll consider all those suitable people and have a chat to them in the right moment. And, you know, just because we know them doesn't mean, you know, I'm keen, even though we, I work with Monty every day or I've worked with, you know, you've all said Ben Khan to me privately or you've, you know, Hutch's name comes up every time there's a Mariner's job and, you know, <laughs> I can go on, right? I call, so we know all the half a dozen names that have been thrown around, but all those boys have had experience at the Mariners. They've all, they know our culture and then it's, it's, it's about letting them all go through the similar process, letting them present and making a good business decision about, okay, which one of these people can take us to the next step. When you speak about we, we'll, um, those kind of things, who, who around the club is really sort of uh, responsible for this decision-making and, and is sort of among the group as, as we presents um, that, that make this decision? Look, oh, look the core group, look, as head of football, I'll, I'll be responsible for the initial shortlisting and along with Sean, and then we'll provide the shortlist to Mike Charlesworth and, and one of the directors of the club. And uh, I would suspect that the four people involved in the final decision-making would be that. But it ultimately, it's Mike's club, and, you know, he'll have, a strong, he'll have a strong say at the end of the day of which person, but... Um, you know, I'm confident he'll take on board recommendations. You know, I'm certainly going to be coming at it from a footballing perspective. Um, I'll make no secret of that. Always have. I've always, I was a bit of a joke in the office. I always got my football hat on versus sometimes corporate hats or strategic hats, etc. So we had the news of Kai resigning for two years, which is awesome news for us. Yep. Um, was there any other good news for us in the near future? Yeah. Um, and he'll all be very happy in the near future. I think he'll be. <laughs> I can't wait to read Pete's social media in the near future. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really confident that the majority of players you're all worried about will be wearing yellow and gold, or yellow and blue next year. And if, um, you know, I'm happy to share with the group uh, that you know, Mark Berrigetti will be back on board next year 100%. Yo, Yote. Yo, And, uh, you know, Mark's had a great season. Why wouldn't, you want to, why wouldn't you want to retain one of the best goalkeepers in the country? Absolutely. So, yep. so Beerus will be with us, but, you know, we'll probably um, do a, roll out some announcements as we go over the next seven days or so and just uh, keep rolling them out strategically as we do. Okay. But, that, you know, that's one for the podcast crew. There you go. Nice one. I, we, we spoke about this earlier, Moz, about building a good spine, uh, I guess, and I don't know if that's really a yeah. fan sort of a uh, yeah. perspective or whether that sort of um, fits in sort of how you think as well, but he's obviously a great start to building that and mm. there's probably a few others in there that we'll hopefully be looking at, but was it was it hard to convince him to stay or not after the season that he's had or was it, was it sort uh, of... Beerus loves the coast, right? Yeah. So, you know, like Beerus has been a great goalkeeper, part of our leadership group, uh, wanted to stay, said all the right things. You know, Mark's made his home here. Uh, he's having a second baby. Wants to, you know, wants to get into his own place. So he, he was emotional after the loss too. So I, yeah. I sort yeah. of, I feel like he's, like he's, you could tell, right? his heart's in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was, you know, very upset. Yeah. And and to be honest, I loved it that yeah. he, you know, that he so was. Right. Yeah. Right? I thought it was great, right? Yeah. So, but Beer is, uh, yeah, he's on board. And yeah, building the spine's important. So you know, we work up the middle of the park, and you know, we've already got three midfielders. On the books, so you know we've got Gianni, we've got Ollie, we've got Nizzi. Great got, midfield, as you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, and yeah. we got so you got Kai Rolls, and I'm very confident he'll have 
very good stopper partners next to him. So, you know, the spine is pretty well on its journey. Yeah. How Last, much of an sorry. influence was, um, was Zoysi in uh, Imbira's decision to stay? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Zoysi's done a great job. Yep. You know, like, let's cut to the wick. You know, he's done a good job. Um, Zoysi and... Uh, and Beerus work very well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this stage, we haven't locked in our other football staff. So right now, um, all the football staff aren't employed because obviously whoever the head coach is um, needs to have some say of whether that person fits their model, right? So, and that's not to say they're all going, far from it. Um, and, you know, whether Zoysi stays and Lucas stays and uh, the, the admin staff down there all stay, um, you know, there'll be a discussion around that. I would suspect that a number of them would stay, excuse me, but that, well, that'll happen uh, in the next week or two as well. It might be a bit early, but one that just sort of sprung to mind, then I, I assume we're going to have a couple of um, foreigner spots open up. Mm. How do we go about that in the lead up to the n- next season? Is that sort of a priority obviously we don't need to have any foreigners in the squad but i guess you know uh, sort of without a head coach or sort of how does that scouting network well work? i think is I think there a scouting from, network? From, well i guess from a club perspective you know from my my perspective uh-huh. is that analyzing all the players that we have within the squad this year it has been done and you know had been done with alan and naz anyway so, and, you know, two of the visa boys, are go- one's gone home already and one goes home next week. And, you know, I think everybody around here would be really keen for Marcos to stay and, you know, we're talking. And if, Mar- you know, if Marcos gets to stay, well, we'll all be happy. If Marcos doesn't get to stay, well, you know, he's planning to go to the World Cup. He's planning to be up front for Costa Rica, right? So, and that's a year and a bit away, but he needs to put himself in a place to be the leading goal scorer and that. And... You know, we we love him. We want him to stay, and we're in we're in chats. So I think, uh, you know, other than that, um, I probably I've got a bit of a different view to some people that foreigners are not always the solution to everyone's problems. Um, I would prefer um, if I was to sign another visa player, it would be somebody that we know really well, and it could have been a visa boy at another club that's done well, particularly this year. And there's been a few. If you look at the good performances of. Uh, Rickow, Otter, boys at other clubs, mm-hmm. then you know them, right? You know what they can do. You know what they can do. You might not know their characteristics and you might not know their, how they fit in with your culture. But footballing-wise, there's a little bit more to it than a gamble based on video evidence, scouting reports and whatever. So I think we've learned a bit about that at all clubs across the country, not just this club, that you can spend reasonable money on a visa player that may be better spent in a a couple of what you and I might call, you know, central players in our program, right? Yeah. What about the – when we spoke last time, I think we had a little chat about the um, – maybe it wasn't terms you used, but um, uh, young Yankovic was a little bit of a project, a, mm. a young kid, bringing sure. a young kid from the other side of the world. Maybe not exactly how Mariners fans think about how we develop youth. Mm. What do you think about that in hindsight? How did, how, how did that sort of... Oh, he got... Look, the, I guess the learnings out of that was uh, under the regulations, you know, he couldn't be registered to play in the NPL program because of the, there's no... In our program, there's no registrations allowed of visa players, whereas for other NPL clubs, there are. So in Yanko's case, if he wasn't playing first grade, um, no he, he wasn't playing, and that's a nightmare for any footballer, right? Yeah. So I think... 
that's a, that's something that A-League clubs are limited limited about. So when you do bring a visa player, the developmental exercise has to be with someone that's capable of getting A-League time. If there'd been a youth, um, National Youth League, would he have been eligible to play in it? Uh Yes. Yeah, so the fact that we didn't have one also had an impact yes, on Yes, I think the answer is yes too. off the top of my head because Visa Boys played in it previously, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, just so that. Yeah, yeah. That so that, that would have, yes, that would have given him at least a, a small program of, you know, eight to ten games that he could have played, got more game time in. And look, I, you know, you learn with every exercise like that. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, Stefan trained every day, did everything right, fitted in real well, good kid. And at the end of the day, um, you know, didn't play. That's, you know, that's footy. Had a couple of minutes, but um, <laughs> but he, some some fans have wondered where he really was or whether mm. he really existed. And so yeah, no, just, he existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He existed. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You've touched on the academy very briefly there. Um, obviously, uh, boys moved up to fourth place over the weekend with the win. Um, on track, well, hopefully, for promotion to MPL one this season. Um, players like Dan Hall coming back at the right time. Any other players coming back in from the A League setup into the MPL setup there at all? Uh, yeah, we'll use, look, over the next month, we'll use the players like Dan Hall, Matt Hatch, Jordy Smiley's had a couple of games in a row, scored the last two games. Lewis Miller played last weekend, got minutes and scored as well. Um, those four are the main ones that will give a little bit longer. So they'll play on for a month or so and then have, go on holidays, have their break to get ready for A-League. We'll make a decision with about three rounds to go before promotion as to whether those boys stop or bat on depending on the promotion race. Um, how hard are we pushing? How hard is the table? <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think, look, we've never made a secret of the fact that we want yeah. that. Um, A-League took priority and we went through a tough spell because of deliber- and understanding that. Mm. But we're not playing A-League now, so there's no reason why. And, look, I actually think, forgetting the fact that we want to get promoted, uh, I think it's really good for these players to get some minutes in their legs because a lot of them didn't get a lot of minutes over the whole year, so therefore they'll use these as good good minutes for next year. So yeah, I think those boys, they're the four main ones, I think, off the top of my head, that um, will help the program. And, you know, we have to stay. We've got a tough draw, right? So mm. we just got to get there. Young Jaden Casella maybe dropping in as well at, um, to to the MPL side at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, yeah, we probably won't use Jaden in that. Like we don't want to. We sort of looked at roles and yeah. positions and who we need. Look, and we made no secret of the fact we needed um, Dan at the back as mm. captain of the side gives us a bit of stability in the back four. Yeah, and that definitely. was really what the, the one position we were really keen. You know, Roland Lewis is at the back as well, and they can rotate from playing. You know, playing three or four. Or, Lewis can go out the right back as well in two mm. if he have to. So um, I think that's the area we wanted to toughen up. We've been always pretty good in, atta- in the attacking side of that squad. Yeah, yeah you got we, McCarthy and Katsy and yeah. um, uh, Louis Corey. Yeah, yeah. you know, Sakenis has been out injured for nine weeks and yeah. he makes his comeback this week. Oh, and awesome. I guess that's probably good timing with Reese going over to Denmark yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, So, and Matty Cahill's been injured for three or four and came back from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll probably be on the bench this weekend. And like, So we got, I think we got like four games that, you know, they're tough. And we like, we got Hills who we beat 1-0 last time and need to win again. And then... Tigers uh, away. Tigers away and we yeah. won that comfortably at home. So they were six points in round one that we got. And then we tipped over and we went three losses and a draw. 
So this time around we need to win the next two to put ourselves in a position to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're two points better off than round one at the moment. Um, to win the next two would put us in a really strong position to do better. Yeah. Um, you know, the target's fourth, right? That's the target where we are now. Don't drop any lower, get promoted, and, and then we can build a really strong base for young boys to play against the, the big boys in NPL 1. Just on Lewis, he uh, showed had most of his minutes this year in the A-League team out at right back, but mm. um, then late in the season got a little bit, bit of game time, uh, second la- last game of the season against Western United, probably in the middle of the back. Mm. We see mostly in the middle of the back at youth. That's where he belongs, in inverted commas, yeah? No. No, so you, so you guys see him as that, that versatile and tough. No, look, if Lewis is here, Lewis will tell you he's a centre-back. Yeah, okay. And well, we've been watching him quite a long time. I thought yeah. he'd tell us he's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> no, well, look, Possibly. <laughs> I think it's one of those where, you know, my conversations with Lewis is a bit, little bit about, okay, um, if I was in your shoes, what gives what would give you the best opportunity of getting more game time in the A-League? So do you want to compete with RT and Kai Rolls and maybe Dan or do you want to compete at right back and have a chance of uh, – getting a shirt, right? So sometimes you have to think strategically about, as a footballer, what might get you more game time initially. Where you end up, every footballer's – like a lot of footballers have moved around in their careers but then settle. Trent um, Sainsbury, yeah. Alex Wilkinson. <laughs> so, you know, and in the end, Lewis thinks he's a centre-half. We're going to play him there over the next four weeks in the NYL to allow him the opportunity to play there. But it also allows us to – maybe show him the kind of things that he does in the NPL that might not work in the A-League. Um, he did one on the weekend. <laughs> right in front of us. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up. It was only in the 23rd minute and the 13th second if you want to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, We yeah. didn't notice that, but it was right in front of us. I'm sure Monty reviewed that a few times <laughs> just to listen to the spray yeah. that he gave him. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, and, and it's that sort of moment that mm. you've got to learn from because, you know, you want to go and argue with the ref about it and I'll go, well, no, you're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing? In that moment, didn't damage him. He scored not too long after that. Just no, that's true. Yeah, look, and that's and that's the positive of Lewis Miller, right? Yeah. Look, it doesn't worry him. Got on with the job. Got up and scored ahead of like you're right. Two or three minutes later, he was a different person, right? So terrific, nice characteristic to have. Yeah, yeah. No, Ken, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon to join us on the uh, Coast Football Ramble podcast, mate. Really, really appreciate you joining us, mate. And um, yeah, go well. It'll go well. <laughs> Unlike sports bet. You can, you can ring me up and we can get on. <laughs> Take care. Well played. Love it. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Ken. See you, boys. Love you. So, of course, we uh, spoke about it with Uncle Ken Shambry just now. Um, of course, always good to have a chat with Ken. But, um, yeah, a little bit of news during the week, lads, with um, Alan Stajic deciding to uh, to move on from his role here at the Mariners. It was a pretty quiet few days, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, four days. Uh, four days is a long time in football. <laughs> Again, for the third week in a row. 
Uh, it was it was strange because I got a message out of the blue um, from um, from another Mariners fan who hadn't heard any sort of inklings, and it was the day that the rumors started dropping because we know the rumors started dropping at about sort of six six thirty seven o'clock that night. Yeah, I got a message at about lunchtime um, from Taylor, his name is, and he's like, "Oh, please t- tell me Stadge is on for next season." I'm like, "Yeah, he's contracted. Yeah, I don't see him going anywhere." Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Neck minute. Neck minute. Neck minute. <sighs> Fucking yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I it kind of felt like the elephant in the room, like I said on Twitter. <clears throat> because I don't know why. I you know, I think we knew he was here for the extra season. Um but with what he achieved and with you know, things that we were hearing around player signings and Resignings and you know potential players leaving. Um, you know, th- I don't think we'll be in as bad of a position as what some people might think, but mm. definitely still work to be done to be competitive in what will hopefully be a normal season with no COVID interruptions, a normal inverted commas um, salary cap, which we won't spend, um, but still you know having to compete against all the big boys essentially. Um, it sort of felt like that Stadge knew what the goalposts were but would probe the question about extra support or financial uh, assistance to get us to where we needed to be. I sort of felt like he might do that and Mm. from what we know, that's what's happened and he's resigned. I mean, that's all there is really to it, like – as far as I'm aware. Who do you blame? How can you? And this is the thing. Now, now knowing what we know, right? Uh, okay, Lucy. <laughs> if, if, only, <laughs> if only you knew. Um, knowing what we know, it, <clears throat> it kind of feels like you almost have to de- defend Charlesworth, which not many people will like to hear that. But mm. you can't blame the guy for not being rich enough because mm. that's essentially what it comes down to. He is, he is not some oil billionaire. Mm. He's not a prophet. He's not a, what do they call him? Shakes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, it's, he owns bloody phone lines <laughs> for a business. <laughs> and we were talking about this on the weekend. Who has a landline anymore? So I don't know what's happening or how he makes his money, but he's, he just simply doesn't have the money that some of these other clubs have. And it's, it's, how do you, how do you blame him for that? I don't know if I blame anyone really. I could, the thing you, you you can't blame Stadge and Naz. I mean, these I guys. Actually, I actually respect the decision. To be yeah, honest, that's just smart. Like, of course, it's smart for them to make the decision, and the timing of the decision is perfect for them. And and you know, Charlesworth, he's still the bloke who saved our club club from oblivion. Um, and yeah, I I dislike strongly, intensely the underfunding that has caused us to have the poor record that we've had over the last seven years and do I blame him for that? Well, yeah, I do blame him for that because if he'd had an extra million dollars a year, then we probably wouldn't have experienced a fair bit of that. But I don't know, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't have that extra million dollars to give um, and, you know, if he's a smart businessman, he's not going to go out backwards like some of um, some others who have perhaps been um, victims of uh, the way that this club works in this market, um, then, you know, this is probably the only play that he has. He's not likely to be able to sell the club. 
uh, in this climate, you, who would buy it and why would they buy it and what would it be that they were buying it for? Who's out there with $2 million a year to throw down the toilet? Um, and, I mean, from what we've heard, no buyers, nobody keen to invest any extra or to assist with the investment. Yeah. So we're left with Mike, whether you like it or not. And his philosophy, which still continues, of trying to make the best on the coast and getting, you know, all of the coast involved, the council to properly value the club, to give us a decent deal in terms of how the stadium interaction works, which probably is in the wind, hopeful. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's hard to let the elephant um, feel too painful. Um and I'll make the admission, and probably I alluded a little bit to it a few pods back, that I had an inkling that our future might not just be cut and dried like we can now, you know, stem from this platform that we've set this year and continue on the upward trajectory that we've been on. So um, a lot of things that I've done over the last month um, are a reflection of me capitalising on these moments, knowing that these might not be happening again anytime soon. And uh, I've loved every minute of that, bought the shirt, bought the shirt, bought the shirt um, <laughs> and uh, enjoyed the moments um, and and I think that that's what everybody sort of has to do and and then remind myself that actually the reason I support this team is because they're the only professional sporting team that we have to support on the Central Coast and I'm about the coast and I don't su- – not, not that I don't support him but I don't support Alan Statik or Nahul Arate. I don't support Mike Charlesworth. I don't support – um, any of the players, whether they're staying or leaving, I support this club. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm in for the ride and I feel good about the fact that on this roller coaster, at least we just got to a high point. Back on Stadge and Naz. Naz. <laughs> Stadge and Naz. They came into a club that had finished last, what, four out of five seasons. They proved themselves. They overachieved. And now they leave with capital. They leave with their names out there. They're sort of free agents for a, a club wherever it is. Is it going to be an A-League club? Hopefully not. Is it an overseas club? So they came and proved themselves. They got a side that was expected to finish last again, to finish third in the league, make the finals, unfortunately get knocked out first week. But did they have anything more to prove? No. They, I, th- I, think, I think what they've essentially done, and I like – I don't think it was in, in the plans when they got here, but, you know, obviously because the first season really didn't go as well as what they hoped. But once they built the foundation and then they achieved what they did this season, it's essentially like an extra paragraph to add on to the resume without sort of like the shit bit. Mm. And then they can just say, all right, so yeah, we're going to leave on a high mm-hmm. and go and explore some other opportunities. And hopefully, fingers, everything crossed that's not at another A-League club because there's rumours mm. about Western United, but I don't – I can't – I don't see it I happening. can't see it I happening. See it happen. I don't see it happening, not with their family situation um, and then them potentially having to, to move down to Melbourne or to have to go down there without their families because they're all very close. Like when we spoke to Naz the week before the MacArthur game, we know that Stadge and uh, his family are all very close. So it's it is kind of – a strange one. Are, are they just going to bide their time for a year? I think I the key think thing was 
Sorry, Peggy, I think they're going to bide their time for 10 weeks until Carl Robinson gets the axe. I mean, that's a very real ten possibility weeks. in so my opinion. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking round 10 next season. That's, my, that's where my money's going, yeah. Take a few winners with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's good from you. <laughs> Got him. Got him again. <laughs> no, I mean, they turned the club around. Yeah, simple yeah, 100%. as that. They weren't the only ones. I think there was, yeah, it's, it's more than just them. Yeah, um, they weren't I the th- only ones, but they turned the club around and they headed up that. The, there's some clear evidence of underlying stuff around the club now mm. that has been an advantage along with them, um, but they have been the figureheads for turning it around this year and, and fair play to them for capitalising to me. Yeah, like like you guys have said, they've, they've laid the foundation for, for the next years to come. Um, whether they mm-hmm. overachieved or not, I don't know if overachieves necessarily the right word. I think they've um, they've set the benchmark to which we now have to continue to achieve is the way that I'd put it. They left the club in a better place than when they came here. Yeah, yeah that's, that's something, and that's said, something yeah. that I you know can't hate for them leaving because they that's what they did. Let's have a look at where to from here because this is obviously the future you know Stadge and Naz um, thanks for all your hard work but this you know we've, we've got to look forward now um, and I know that was the attitude of um, of the, nearly the entire playing group if not the entire playing group as soon as the um, the news was announced for the playing group um, was that we have to look forward um, let's move on and, and get on with this top picks and Aaron I think you've put a bit of work into this one here well, first, before we actually name the names, and we will name the names in a minute, but um, I, I just put a little bit of stuff together about what are some of the things that we might think about that a coach might bring. And firstly, I would say it isn't all gloom and doom. It, uh, Alan and, and um, Naz were fantastic, but were they perfect? I don't know. I think some people saw some things that they think that could have been improved. So, and I'd say, you know, they, they would admit that too. So so there are positives there. It's not all doom and gloom. But we... We can think about whether what, what is the sort of levels that any potential coach has coached at that we might bring here. Are they likely to bring with them a clear philosophy and are they the kind of coach or person who's going to back away from it when the first sort of pinch comes on or are they, you know, sold on their own philosophies? Is it the right moment in their career for them to step up to the this position and be able to really have an impact as it turned out to be for Alan? Um, are they the kind of coach who knows this place and knows what the risks and the parameters and dimensions, as Ken called it, are at the Mariners? Um, are they somebody who really absolutely wants the job and has no doubts about that despite the potential risks? Are they somebody who the players love um, and former um, players, you know, maybe are a thought in that? Are they somebody who successfully develops youth because that's been our DNA? Um, And do they have great contacts out there and is that how important is that to um, the next coach? Um, Do they have the right qualifications? Um, what sort of likelihood is of them, of them actually being a good coach or wanting to be here? Are they suitable, I guess, is how that is. And lastly, what I really thought about is fans here deserve to have their opinion well known as well, you know. We, we, we spend our lives um, enjoying this as our big pastime. Um, we don't come and go with... Um, uh, owners or players or whatever we're here and and uh, so yeah I, I think it, to some extent and I'm going to ask Mike to listen to this podcast to hear what we have to say about it um, that, that we have a right to to say hey we think this um, we, we don't have, we don't get the right to sign the piece of paper but um, we do have a right to have a strong word and say what we like so um, 
that's just as a sort of parameters of what I reckon we're working within. So I know Boise's done a fair bit of work on names and what those sort of names, how they fill some of those parameters. So I'll let you have a crack, Boise. Is this my Ben Khan uh, sales pitch? <clears throat> could be long. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Elevator pitch if you could, please, mate. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay. Um, so, I, I mean, well, me slash we have thrown together a few names and like we mentioned with Ken, there's going to be the obvious, which I think is probably Nick Montgomery, um, given his stance in the club, both as a player and now uh, when he retired, he was the director of football, I believe, was the role he went into the year he retired. Or so the Academy director, after. I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, <clears throat> and now obviously head coach of the academy and obviously doing a doing a pretty good job. Um, that will be the obvious that most fans will probably throw up when thinking about new coach and who fits in with the Mariners. Rightly so. Like, yeah, 100%. You know, he's earned 100%. that right to be well in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, my leading candidate, and maybe many other people, hopefully, uh, will obviously it's be Mark Ben Rudin. Khan. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ben Khan, um, former coach of the academy, um, fantastic guy, young coach, uh, sort of works in with the whole conversation that we had before about we are a player development club, but also a coaching development. And like you said before, Moz, there's been a few that have not worked in the past, but you could very well make the argument that Stadge uh, was still, is still a developing coach, especially in the men's game and in, in the men's club game. And what he did this season has sort of proved that. I think that we, we, we helped him develop and sort of come out the other side in the men's club game, sort of a better coach, For I would sure. like to think. Absolutely. Um, so Ben... I think most people will know this if they listen to this regularly, but um, was obviously our academy coach. He came in in 2016, finished 10th that season in the MPL, obviously right in the middle of when it was a pretty hard time at the club. <laughs> yeah, didn't really have a, a chance to build his academy side Correct. at all either. And was was a year when you know we, we still had the Wanderers and Sydney FC uh, in the same league. Uh, who both got promoted that season and then the season after in 2017 we finished in fourth so he went from 10th to fourth in one season with the academy um, and I mean to be honest if it, if it wasn't for a few other people who are no longer at this club Benny would still probably be here because Thanks, Paolo. because he was yeah not necessarily blaming him directly but he was essentially I mean, stabbed I am. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's fine go for it <laughs> Benny was essentially stabbed in the back and to be honest, he should still be here, but he has obviously moved on to bigger and better things for the time being. Um, has been at Olympic FC in Queensland in the MPL for this. He's going into his fourth um, season. Um, first season in charge, he finished in second spot, made the grand final, but unfortunately lost that. Uh, in 2019, he finished in fourth, made the grand final, lost that one too. Uh, Last year, finished in second, made the grand final, also lost that one. So has lost three grand finals in Hang a row. A second. So you're saying he has, he, he keeps making grand finals, but keeps losing them. Yes. Where He's have I heard perfect. that before? He is perfect. perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so obviously um, the couple of seasons before he was in charge, I think Olympic finished in sixth and then fifth, I believe, from my research earlier. So made a pretty big improvement, has been really consistent, um, lost all those 
lost those three grand finals only by one goal. And again, it comes back to the whole, you know, it's a one game sort of a playoff thing. It's whoever's a better team on the day essentially gets up in those. And against clubs that have a fair bit of backing behind them against as well. Good from, my, clubs. from my understanding good of the clubs. Queensland NPL Lions yeah. FC and Gold Coast Knights, um, who are the teams that he's taken on in the previous three grand finals, they've yeah. got a fair bit of coin to splash. Two other teams that are really consistent in Queensland and are well-backed. And from speaking to Benny, you know, Olympic are not the most well-backed club in the league when it comes to finance. So he's done really well, can work on a shoestring. Hello. Mariners, um, <laughs> has has made the FFA Cup round of 32 at uh, both times of trying, made the round of 16 in 2019, uh, lost 3-2 to Adelaide. Mm. And that was a really, that was a pretty crazy game. That, that was, that one, was yeah. one that they potentially could have won. Yeah. Um, got knocked out, unfortunately, in the qualifying game uh, last week, but to the team who is in first in Queensland. So in the current season, uh, he's in second spot. Um, was the NPL All-Stars coach last year, 2020 Queensland NPL Coach of the Year, and is the youngest Australian to hold an AFC Pro licence. One thing you haven't touched on Ticks there. Ticks a lot of the boxes. Yeah, boxes. yeah, yeah. I, and, and specifically – go on, Pete. One thing you haven't touched on there is some of the players that he has helped develop and True. been responsible for um, bringing to the Mariners. Josh Nisbet, Lewis Miller, Gianni Stensness, Matthew Hatch – Trent Bahaja and Lockie Wales. And Dan. Sort of. Yeah, was, Dan was came Dan after? in Dan, Dan was came here in after, after, yeah, after Benny I think left. Through maybe Benny's contacts, contacts in Queensland. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the Niz connection definitely helped. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean the Nisbet thing is all him because he was Benny was already here, got Niz down with him. I think he's known Niz since he was like twelve or thirteen or yeah. something. Really, really young. Nizzy lived with Benny, while he was stacking shelves at Woolworths mm. and obviously killed it in the NPL and now, you know, look where Niz is now. So Benny's got the knack for developing youth. He has coached a, like a few experienced players in that Olympic side. Oh, yeah. So um, Shane Stefanudo was at Olympic. Uh, Just Loftus. For a season or two. Loftus. Zach Anderson's there now. Zach Anderson's there right now. So he has that experience in also coaching sort of senior players, not just sort of the kids, which I think you need both. You need that experience to coach. Oh, yeah. You've got to manage men. personalities. Yeah. yeah. And obviously Benny's only 33. So he's a young, young, he's got the experience, but he's a young coach in terms of the age. So there, there is that thing there where if you're coaching senior players, it, it might be, you know, I'm not sure, but there's maybe a little bit of a strain sort of a dynamic, but he has that experience there with the young players and the senior players as well. He's got a couple of academy, former Mariner academy players playing up there. Yeah, Stevie Steve White, White and Shelford yes. Dace. Steve White, Shelford still there? Shelford Shelford still there. And has improved these players as well if you uh, yeah, see White, how they're White going. come along in exactly. leaps and bounds, yeah. And so in terms of box ticking, is uh, is at the highest level other than the A-League, you would say, in Australia? Uh, it's got a clear philosophy. We know how he treats that. He's It's a great moment in his career for him to you know take on an A-League club. He's been waiting for this opportunity for a while, surely. Um, he knows this place and he knows all the risks and still wants to be here. No doubt wants to be here pretty bad, pretty take his chance if he yep. can get it. And would take the idea, can I do what Stagic did mm. and, you know, move this team <laughs> from where it is, improve players and um, really make a name for himself as well along the way. Um, players love him. Um, I can tell you that some senior players since um, this came out have said to me directly by text, 
um, that they love playing for the guy. And uh, mm. so that, to me, and, and I'm talking about senior players who are relevant in this conversation without naming them. Um, he's a successful youth developer. Um, he's got the qualification. Okay, it's not UEFA, but AFC, it's a pro licence. Um, he's, uh, yeah, suitable. Fans, well, I think fans, maybe it's 50-50 in the fan stakes, but there's plenty of fans who have seen enough to say, yeah, why shouldn't he be given a go? And so, he, I, I, know for, I know that he wants to be here. He, yeah. he wants to be here more than any other A-League club. And I know that he, when Robbie Fowler got the sack in Brisbane, I know he was his, his hat was in the ring for the Brisbane role, but didn't get it for various reasons. And he necessarily didn't want that role too much because of just the players that were there at the time and the contracts, and he wanted to be able to build his own squad. Suitability, really. likelihood, yeah. totally yeah. suits that. Yeah, and I know, so I know, boxes. I know his his hat was slightly in the ring for the Jets role in a previous life, mm. um, but I know that if he obviously he'll take whatever he can get because there's only twelve professional jobs in the league, so mm. you can't say no to a job. But he did mention to me that he would have a weird feeling being there. And to be coaching against us, mm. so he, he he has the love for the place that we need. He's got the drive. He's got the qualifications. Has the experience. And I mean, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I think his age doesn't. Yeah, I don't think age should is not a matter. No, no, not at all. How long do we let Luke go? That's an option. I'm, I'm sold. I'm <laughs> sold. Send him the contract up now. Actually, oh, yeah. just just checking. Do we need to actually stop him? I'll get it. I'll and get look, it written up and, and send look. To it be up honest, because there are the this other is obviously not a knock on Benny. He's not going to be expensive. Mm. And that's not a knock on him or, you know, him sort of knowing his worth or whatever, but he's not going to be asking the price of a Rudin or some more experienced sort of a um, foreign for coach. He's for the big picture in the long term yeah. for himself, this is, surely. This is his chance to get into the big leagues, essentially. I'm sold. So what about what about our other candidates? Because there's some good ones and, and we should put Monty to that test as well because we love yep. Monty. Monty is an absolute, you know, legend and cornerstone of our club. Mm -hmm. Loves the place lives here um, and uh, has made a fantastic uh, name for himself among our youth in the last couple of years in particular. Um, and that's to say nothing of the playing career he has here or the home he's made here or the fact that he's turned himself into an Australian. Um, so, yeah. So he's he's only one of two Australians with a UEFA Pro, pro Licence. Yeah, yep. so that UEFA Pro Licence is super highly regarded. Yeah. It's Kids Norbo who's got the other one there. And yeah. he's, so the know, highest qualification that we can think of mm. of any coach who is a potential for us. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he did wonders with the academy last season, albeit it was a shortened 11-game season um, due to uh, coronavirus, of course, um, but finished top in first. Uh, both first grade and under twenties won the club championship, won the grand final in both grades. Yeah, um, and has has helped manage the youth that we have. Has through, developed through a lot that, of youngsters through that MPL. Yeah, was I believe was the man responsible for Allo. Absolutely. Yep. In was the about, scouting was about to and say. The wanting him to come here. Yep. Same with his younger brother. Yep. Um, has continued the development of those other young players that we have. Um, obviously, has you know got all of the relationships with all the squad that you would want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's not, I can't really think of a downside other than Benny has coached at a slightly higher level than Monty yep. and that's a reality. Yep. Um, but whether you, whether you consider that, that part of it important or not, 
is another question. We know Monty wants the job bad. <laughs> Badly, yeah. Which was yep. a question of mine, whether he thought he was ready and, mm. and, uh, and apparently he's ready or he thinks he's he ready. Will he absolutely back himself. Yep, yeah, he, yeah. he wants it and fair play. Got to have some great contacts. That was also a point I did think of earlier today. That, that would be something that might put him in over Benny mm. in that term because Monty's, what, 400 games uh, for Sheffield, mm. played in the Premier League. We know he's got all sorts of contacts. He would have made obviously really good contacts on that UEFA course when he was in Europe. Um, in terms of getting some quality, you know, foreigners here who, you know, Ken thinks that they're not sort of as important. I Obviously, my opinion doesn't really matter, but it's my opinion. <laughs> I think I think some good foreigners can make a massive impact on the squad, especially especially experienced ones like Marco, who have that who have that lived experience of scoring at a World Cup. Just in case you hadn't heard, <laughs> anyone not heard um, that? <laughs> playing at a high level and and obviously having the ambition to go to another World Cup. That's some those are the sorts of guys you want in your squad for your young players like your Allos and, you know, your Hatchies and, you know, your Bowmans and even a defender would sit there and look at Marco and go, shit, this is an experienced guy on the squad who's who's here to help me. And from all reports, that's what Marco's like. So I think Monty would have plenty of those sorts of sort of similar contacts. Mm. They're hopefully ready to go. You think he's learned a little bit too about um, how to handle those sorts of bring them in from overseas. He had some hand surely in the bringing of two young players from um, uh, Sheffield United. We're not naming names. Former club. Well, we don't want to dwell on it too long because no. everyone I can't even remember the second name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But anyway. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, nobody. Nobody wants me to um, uh, talk about that too much. But <laughs> but. It, it does, for me, the only thing I would say about that is that I, I imagine, I hope that Monty would have learned from that, that really it's not our DNA to bring young players here like that and uh, waste that sort of development by then sending them back somewhere else. And uh, We don't know what the other forces were, who made those decisions, how much Monty had to do with whether or not they should or shouldn't come. But for me, if we're going to have uh, 18, 19-year-old kids brought into our A-League team, they shouldn't be from Sheffield United. That would be my only thing about how those contacts were used. And I'm sure not Monty he knows that and looking at the players that are in his um, youth teams then uh, he knows how to find youth around Australia hello and uh, yeah so 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 he ticks most of these boxes as well he's way suitable he's certainly a favorite amongst many of um, uh, of our fans and um, that UEFA pro license is um, a big thing as well so yeah. I, I think those two are the leading candidates by far because, surely surely you know obviously from what now, from what Ken said, you know they 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 want to look for someone who know knows the DNA, knows the club, knows some of the players, you know all that sort of stuff, and those two tick the majority of the boxes. And there's there's a few other names that have obviously been thrown around for a long time. Someone like a Damian Mori, uh, who's you know had 14 years experience now uh, in coaching, um, most of it in the Adelaide NPL with Adelaide City. Um, did pretty well. Has is is a guy who I know also wants an A League job. Um, you know, from reading a few things, and you know, again, there's there hasn't been many jobs out there available in the past. Um, and sometimes pre COVID, the young Australian coaches don't normally, well, not normally, but the a lot of clubs will go for the overseas sort of option yeah, historically Australian coaches option. haven't really had too much of a look in so this is a fantastic opportunity and and yeah. you know the last season has been a fantastic 
opportunity and um, demonstration of how well young Australian coaches can go. As yeah. you say, Maury, 2017 Coach of the Year in MPL um, South Australia um, with Adelaide City. Um, what might stick against him there is he's only got an FAA licence and I think Ken um, sort of mentioned that they're only really looking to recruit coaches with a pro licence. pro licence, yep. And he's now currently coaching State League in Adelaide, so I, I don't know if you know that would probably play against him in the in the recent experience stakes, I would think. When we're thinking about inexperienced coaches and inexperienced Australian coaches, just have a think about the top six this year. There were no foreign coaches in that, if I'm right, mm. and uh, – that it speaks volumes of whether or not it's a, an okay direction for us to take um, the right kind of Australian yeah, coach in this direction is. and yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, how'd, yeah, that go, how'd that go for Western Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely no pie in the sky stuff on the sort of list we have because these are all pretty realistic. Fairly realistic, yeah. I mean, the other the sort I of similar direction that we'll be looking sort at. Sort of other realistic um, ones that you've um, you've got here, Artie Pappas. Um, who has extensive experience in Victorian MPL. I think he uh, went over to Japan for a while and has just walked out on his um, J-League 2 club. Yeah, he was assistant to Ange. That's right. For yep. a while. Yep. That's right, exactly. Um, youngest coach to ever receive Coach of the Year award in Victorian MPL, um, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but all rumours are that he may be off to that lot up the road. Yes, and also beat us in the FFA Cup when yeah. he was the coach of Green, Green Gully. Gully. Yeah, so, oh mate, yeah, <laughs> goes right. And he was coming to. He was, he was at the Jets uh, in a youth capacity some time ago. It's been maybe five or six years now. It's been a while. So he has he has been there previously. Was an assistant to I think Van Egbon in his second stint, I believe, for one season. So. Has would obviously know the place, so I think he would be probably a prime candidate for that Newcastle job. So, someone that would be a good candidate for us, but I think will probably be out. The other one I've got here is a little bit more left of field, um, and I've only just popped this one down. Mark Crittenden, uh, Critto over at Blacktown, um, who has been there for donkey's years now. Um, I think he's been in the head coach role since around 2014, took over as head of football in 2018 as well. Um, he's coached over 300 first grade games at Blacktown, previously an assistant to Frank Farina and Zoran Matic at Marconi as well. So he served a half decent apprenticeship there i think you could say um it's been in the coaching setup since he was 16 years old he's 54 now as well so he's got some little bit of experience but i don't know whether or not he wants to make the step up whether he would want to leave blacktown um or you know if he if he is in the club's thoughts but yeah ticks some of the boxes but in terms of you know knows the mariners knows the playing field yeah. um yep. youth development um, does he have the qualifications? So definitely, you know, these people could be candidates. Um, candidates that can't be candidates that are on the end of the list <laughs> that I'm looking at. Um, something to be sneezed at, haha, is Kevin Mustard. <laughs> the do not wants. Um, too much money, no chance, successful and then, coach And these here. are all the names that are... Not going to happen. I don't know if they'll be thrown around by us, but they might be thrown around by the media. Well, these are all guys... Well, thrown around is, is on this list here, John Aloisi. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. He was <laughs> His name got thrown around, I think, for the victory <laughs> job after after Brevin got the sack. Mm. I think 
Once upon uh, a time, Western Sydney. Maybe yeah. like every time there's a coaching vacancy, his name seems to be thrown up. Well, oh, he was yeah. he was but put out there by I think it was West Sydney Football um, on Twitter the other yeah. the other week, and um, they said, "Oh, hearing John Aloisi is in the frame to get the Mariners gig." And Sean actually replied and said, "You might need to get your hearing checked." Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of. I think that's something to be aware of. There's a there's there will most likely be a lot of jobs for the boys stuff being branded about in the media with someone like him. Someone like a Kevin Musket, Mark Rudin, who, from what we know, will absolutely not even be considered with the longest. Now listen poll here, fuck face. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> can I have a kaching for a different reason? Because all of these kaching, kaching, kaching. Yeah. Oh, simple. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so Rudin and Rudin needs a supply of USBs to keep him going. Yeah. And, uh, and we, Farina needs we can't to pay his drink driving charges. So <laughs> true. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, these are all names that I think people will throw around and look at them and be like, oh, the experience they've done this X was yada yada. It's just not going to happen. I think if if you're listening to this and you're wanting an experienced A League or high level coach. Uh, think start again. thinking otherwise. Yeah, Laurie McKenna, a little birdie, just putting it out there. <laughs> Why <laughs> would you plant that seed? <laughs> it's um, yeah, no. just yeah. for fun. And these baby. are guys like no chance. him, and even like him, and even Frank Farina. To be honest, the game is probably. He's, he's been That's, out for a while. Uh, the game has moved on. It's moved on. Laurie was incredibly successful in the circumstances that he faced when he was the coach. Mm. Yeah. But I could just the idea of, you know, the Jet CEO becomes the Mariners coach for the well, 13th yeah, coming. He's not even CEO there Isn't anymore. he? No. Ooh, no, he I, I'm well, not even it. sure if he he's has in. a role there. The uh, well, yeah, that's he it. was moved into a sort of technical capacity there for a while. He's still he's still on the payroll. Is that, is that hashtag McKinnon in, I see? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just playing. Um, just if you're not, play. if you're not behind Benny Khan or Nick Montgomery, um, I'm just going to mute you. True. I think they are the horses. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, look, it's, it's between in all seriousness. How are they I, not? I'm backing both like, of them each way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listening to what Ken said, I, um, I feel like it's a two horse race because those are the yep. two that have the experience. They have the licenses. They know the DNA. Um, but I, there's I, one I, name. I can't. Okay, go hit it. Are you or am I, Pete? Are you even thinking of the same thing? There's a man that I would love to come back to this oh, club I know what you're saying, I and to yeah, be our yeah. coach. <laughs> I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he has the licence. I know he ticks a lot of the other boxes and I know that it, he can come here whenever he likes and be loved. That I know. John Hutchinson, of course. Yeah. Is he, you know, is he ready to do it? Well, I haven't really heard any rumblings there. I'll admit that I did tag him on Twitter the other day with the suggestion that he could be in the in the list, and he does definitely tick quite a few of the boxes. But he, I would say, is a, an outsider, as yep. you know, a, a, a fairly rank outsider, really. Um, but well, he's in a kind of a weird spot at the moment, isn't he? Because he went time. to Japan. Yeah. I guess under the assumption, I assume that he didn't know <laughs> that. Uh, he was going to be working with Ange, and now he's not. So. Gained an incredible amount of experience, though, in his travels. Yeah. And I, I, um, I haven't heard otherwise that he's leaving. And I mean, why would you leave one of the biggest clubs in Japan? Well, the rumor whispers are that he may well be following Ange to Celtic because it was Ange that actually brought him in yeah. at Yokohama. Yes. And I, I assume Celtic will give Ange well. Like you would hope, give him the opportunity to build his own staff, as most clubs do. Yeah, when they bring in a new so coach. So if Hutch gets that role, then oh, great. Fantastic. But ahead of those non-attempts uh, that were last listed there in the previous conversation, Hutch in any conversation about future coaches, he has to get a mention because he's just yeah. the favourite of 
all time. Really quick question before we wrap that one up. If Hutch was offered both the Celtic assistant gig and the Mariners head coach gig, which one would you guys think he would take? I think he'd go Celtic. I'd, yep. I think he Celtic. would too. And if I was him, I would too. You'd be, I just think that's be, the resume be, item. That Working with a club that big is yeah. a very big opportunity for anybody. So I think he'd, he'd probably pick Celtic. And working with Ange. Does it lead you to an EPL assistant coach job and does it lead you into somewhere, places that you just can never even contemplate? You'd have to, surely. Totally hypothetical, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think it's between two. It's. I think it's going to be Monty or Benny. I'll be very surprised if it's not any of those two. Yeah. So forget the H-ways, go the Quinella. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming in one and two. Benny, is racing. So other Central Coast Mariners related news, and we've got some good stuff coming out here. Of course, we've seen that Kai Rolls has re-signed for two years. Huge uh, re-signing that came out pretty early from the club. Um, breaking news as well with Mark Birrigitte just extending his tenure at the club. Hell to the yes. That's so good. I'm pretty happy with that Very one. Very thankful. Really, yes. really yep. good start. Huge mm. signing. Yeah. Um, Key signing. Word unto, word unto Ken, word unto Sean, mm. uh, whoever whoever else was involved in that. Because I think, as we know from the past, uh, we have been blessed with a few very good keepers and then a few pretty dodgy ones. Mm. So having a great goalkeeper is a good start. And that's um, building that spine, like we've mentioned, mm-hmm. is obviously going to be key for next season. And yeah, all, all signs are pointing towards that the spine will be pretty solid yeah so um all and pretty are, familiar yeah, yeah that's right yeah hopefully um fingers crossed i, I don't know but i'd be keeping in uh, an ear to the ground and eyes on the socials across uh wednesday thursday friday monday tuesday next week as well you know never know what might be happening it's who said happening. that's time for good news instead of bad news <laughs> well it like it it kind of is it is like obviously it is good but it's good it's good in a way it's because gooder. obviously we had the finals loss Stajan Naz leave. There's a lot of media stuff written, you know, involving Stage and then involving Charlesworth. And, you know, like like we said before, it's all pretty cut and dry for me. We don't need, we, we probably don't need to mention it again. They didn't see eye to eye, went their separate ways. It's all good. Stajan Naz are welcome back anytime. Yeah. So we've had all that news out of the way. And now let's crack on and build the squad. And yeah, we're going to go a long way to doing that over the next week or so. Speaks highly that um, we are able to re-sign players like Beerus in the climate where we've just lost the coach. Mm. That's something about the way that the organisation sits at the moment and something mm. to encourage people's interest and optimism. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, this this isn't a deal that was signed, you know, weeks ago. This is a deal that was signed tonight as we were sort of setting up here. So, as you say, it speaks volumes to everyone that's working behind the scenes to get these deals done. It's not all about coaches. Mm. you got a keeper who's now, what, 30 years old coming into his prime so it's, mm. it's, it's great to have a, still has that potential. Have a pe- player of that pedigree stick around because he's he's arguably been our best player the last two seasons. One yeah. of the one of the league's best keepers, if you ask me. Agreed. 
looking to the Central Coast Mariners Academy results. Uh, we did speak with Ken briefly about those, but uh, we hosted Spirit FC on Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon at Bloom Park, I should say, a 4-2 win. We love goal fests at Spirit, uh, against Spirit at Bloom Park. Last year it was 8-3, that one finish. Uh, this year a 4-2 win. Uh, we took the lead. Spirit ended up 2-1 up inside the first 20 minutes. Um, but uh, we got uh, got the job done in the second half. The goal scorers on Sunday afternoon, Lewis Miller, Harry McCarthy, Jing Reese, and Jordan Smiley uh, to cap things off there. Puts us into fourth place. Um, massive, massive win in, the, uh, in terms of the promotion race. Yeah, it was a nice, wet, brainy, slick peak plume. <laughs> on Sunday. Um, yeah, good good win by the boys. Uh, obviously, like you said, we opened the scoring, then we ended up going down. Uh, we weren't, weren't playing great uh, in that first half, got the equaliser before halftime, and, yeah, then just sort of went on with it. Would you say it was a ding-dong affair? It was a ding-dong <laughs> affair, Peter Pryor. I would say that good. we're obviously always um, proponent, proponents of get yourself down there and enjoy this, but Mariners fans who did go down there, and a few did, even in those terrible conditions, they would have enjoyed it because there was a lot of action. There was a lot to uh, enjoy there. We gave it to the opposition's coach who deserved it because uh, he <laughs> needed more organisation and more control and didn't get it. And uh, But, yeah, it's always good to see what's going on at the next level and, uh, yeah. Dan Hall in the centre of defence, play brilliant. Mm. I mean, you, you just notice when he's on the pitch. It just makes that much of a difference. Absolute leader. L- yeah. Lewis Miller in there with him. Um, made a couple of mistakes, <laughs> like Ken mentioned before. <laughs> uh, but obviously did pop up with the goal, played pretty well overall. Um, Smiley was out there. Hatch was out there. Jing Reese was out there. Obviously popped up with the goal as well as Smiley. Obviously we're not going to be having Jing Reese. Um, for however long while he goes over to Denmark Denmark on a trial. Um, But hopefully we will have Matt Cahill back um, uh, soon. Yeah, Matty Cahill's made two appearances um, since he got back from Hong Kong, came out of isolation, made a couple of appearances, and then he's done his ankle. Yeah, he was running laps after the game on the weekend. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Should be on the bench this weekend. We're hearing, speaking of this weekend, we play host uh, our fifth home game in a row to uh, Hills United. Uh, again, Plume Park, of course, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Get down there. Don't damn miss it. Get there. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm working till 3.30 in Gosford on Sunday afternoon, but I will be racing there for the second half. So see you there. Of course, with uh, Central Coast Football, Central Coast United um, in a two-all come-from-behind draw with the second-place Bankstown City FC on Saturday night. Um, they did go 2-0 down in the first half, but goals to Mason Wells and then Josh Swadling in the last minute of the game um, ensure that we hold on to sixth place on the ladder. Again, it's top eight going up from, uh, from MPL 3 to MPL 2 this year. So, again, very much on track for promotion. Their next game uh, is against another Bankstown side, Bankstown United FC, the old rivalry there. Um, that one is, again, Saturday, 5 p.m. at Plume Park. So I think I'll head down to that one as well, lads. That will be a ding-dong affair. Yeah. Oh, that will be. That was the old grand final rivalry. That was rivalry. the old grand yeah. final yeah, rivalry. rivalry. Yep. Yep. How, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Look at this. Look at this. Look at it. 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 Of course, it is that time of the week where we answer your questions. And uh, as always, thank you so much for uh, for submitting all your questions across the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We didn't even put a, put a post up on Instagram, um, but 
I'm sure we got some questions there. And of course, the CCMfans.net forum. Um, we will run through as many of these as we can. Phil Trotman, negative Nancy. Uh, looks like <laughs> the Mariners shop is currently having a fire sale. One season of hope and promise ruined once again by decisions that are not in the best interest of the team and community. Sigh. To that I say, next. I mean, he's, he's not wrong on the surface. Well, uh, yes, there is a 50% off sale on the online store today. So get your merch at ccmariners.com.au. <laughs> that is a hard, cold fact. Uh, but... <laughs> But I mean, he's he's not right in. Oh, sorry, he's not wrong if you just simply say you know one season of hope and promise and it all gets because that's what it looks like on the surface. On the surface, yeah. But I think you know as we've sort of alluded to in this, you got to dig a little bit deeper and um, let the dust sort of settle a bit, and things will be much more. Positive. Hopefully, what we've spoken about by now up till this point will allay some of those fears and yeah. put some people at ease. Yeah. At least question them because you know. Have, have a think about all of the pieces, the big picture. Yeah. And, that, you know, like I said before, it's very easy to put the blame squarely on Charlesworth and a lot of people might do that and, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe that is the right call. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I think it's it's a bit more complicated. Luke Stokeld, um, well, okay, yeah. Thoughts on more supporters' opinions helping to make decisions at the club to ensure that we feel important uh, and our voices are being heard. It's very important to feel important. Can we hand this to Moz about the trust? I, mate, I'm all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I even like that comment, I reckon, on the on the socials because for me, there is that opportunity or at least that's what we're trying to build. Um, the trust, Mark Brogan, shout out to Mark Brogan, putting the trust together. Know it's all legit now. Know that the paperwork is signed off. There are directors. There's a direction and uh, soon to be you, at, you know, out there um, having a talk about what can happen in the future and this will be a way for us to have some impact, have some say, hopefully, you know, have a part in some of the decision making uh, indirectly at the very least. So don't want to bang on about it all night because I probably could, but, um, well, you know. word on the street is there is already a few um, members of the trust, paying members, and you might be one of them. That may be correct. <laughs> the, the, one of the conditions, I think, and uh, t- uh, now you're going to make me talk about legal stuff I don't even understand, <laughs> but there have to be a certain number of directors, done. There has to be a legal constitution, done. Has to be uh, a formation meeting, done. Has to have a certain number of um, initial shareholding or, or, or um, buy-ins, if you like, or buyers uh, signed up, done. And Would yes. you put it in 50k? Uh, no, no, no talk about oh, money. Yeah, there's, right. there's, oh. there's, there's no, there's no money needed at this point in time. You know, where, where the bank is not open, so to speak, but uh, soon to be. So you know, so um, need to talk more about the, the reasons why you might want to get into it. But uh, we'll do that in a separate pod because we're already recording the longest pod in history. <laughs> That one is super exciting, though. Of course, um, there is all the information at ccmsupporterstrust.com. Get over there. If you haven't checked it out already, you've been living under a rock, um, definitely check it out. It is worthwhile. Um, yeah. One more thing. If, if you've done that and put your name in the list or sent your email address, then you will have already received an email that tells you what mm. I've just told you about yeah. directors, etc., and how things are moving. There's a timeline there. Um, keep watching it. It's actually happening. It's what it'll good. be. We, uh, that's up to us to decide. Exactly. Yeah, it's up to us to make it as great as it can be. Exactly. Yeah. John McConaughey, um, is it possible to care any less about the upcoming postseason cup final? The A-League final series, trademark, needs to be replaced by the FFA Cup finals ASAP. Quick thoughts. 
I'm down for that. I, I, the grand final that nobody wanted, but is probably <laughs> the lesser of two evils yep, yep. in Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne City and Sydney is happening. Someone will have to remind me that the game is on because I do not care. <laughs> um, I hope Sydney win, uh, just like I said, for the lesser of the two evils. I'm for that. Moz, I'm, I'm all with Moz's idea of the, the two-legged playoffs coming back. That's got to be the way forward, I think. Yep. There's an asterisk against this year. <laughs> got yours. Except for us because it's us. We were good, mate. <laughs> Andrew Thurman asks, why can't we have nice things? Because we're the Mariners, baby. Cash register, please. Yeah. <laughs> Someone know a rich guy that's into oil get us a sugar daddy <laughs> even into bitcoin or something like that <laughs> oh abdul hello <laughs> um, get that guy that was gonna buy perth real bitcoins please <laughs> um uh look at least we got some good news to look forward to for the rest of the week that we've heard about so we have dan um, hall we, we have nice things oh fucking hall bay so good uh this is going to be the dan hall cast <laughs> Um, in the next couple of weeks, anyway. Uh, Johnny Needham. Oh, Johnny, don't be sad, man. Um, Johnny asks, what the fuck? That's my question. What the actual fuck? Where do we go from here? Um, we get a new coach and we start winning shit. We'll be right, Johnny. I'll see you at Melbourne away next season. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. We've had some faith restored. Next, uh, we, you know, start again and do it even better. Benny's taking to, taking us to the promised land. Confirmed. <laughs> Oof, yes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Benny, this is from uh, Dave Bloom, good friend of the show, Dave. Um, aside from old Ben Carnoby taking the helm, <laughs> who do you guys consider to be an actual credible contender for the big job? Um, we've run through those. Hope that's, um, hope that clears that up for you but Dave goes on to suggest surely Pete Pryor and myself could repeat our success from the Gosford under 18 days and Mario I think you have a few things to say about that <laughs> also there's a bloke who's coaching over 35 C Norths this year who has a average record who <laughs> wants to put his hand up I am cheap so it's all good it's all yours, yeah but mates. what about football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good from you uh, <laughs> um, Ian Johnson any news on new ownership Charlesworth needs to move on now as we mentioned Charlesworth's the one that's keeping this club afloat at the moment yeah I mean I don't know how much you specifically Moz want to speak about it but word on the street or from the horse's mouth is that <laughs> there is no interest mm. or potential new ownership in the wings. Well, Sean, Sean has given investment. us that update on, on, the, has, yeah. on the on the forum a few weeks ago, or not even a few weeks ago, it was a few days ago, where he said that um, the, the news is there is no news. You know? No, that, that's, you're right. It's from the horse's mouth. And I don't think Mike would care about me saying that there are no investors. They're waiting to put their millions in. There are no buyers waiting to put their millions in. So I don't know, the stories that uh, say about failed um, sales and this kind of thing, they never fail because they never existed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's probably a wider conversation that we can have another time, but mm. I think a, a lot of this is going to rely on the stadium deal. If yep. we don't get the management rights, it's going to be status quo, same as usual. If we do, then we can start to build, you know, long-term things there, which might be a sale because then the club becomes much more appealing. Mm. Uh, or it might mean that Mike will stick around and put in the extra funds to potentially make new revenue streams. Yeah, we need to, we need to collect the, the good things. We need to get the council really truly behind us in this um, process if there is management rights available. We do need to get the, the trust working. Um, we need all of the th pieces to be fitted together, you know, So and uh, that too is from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
um, and a few others. Matthew Halliday, Lee Stanley, they've asked about um, new new coaches and who might be coming in there. Um, yeah, we have touched on that with with ourselves and with uh, with Ken. So thank For you so much. At least an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashman is another one on the CCM fans forum asking if we're all jumping on the Count Express or if that train is not stopping at Gosford Station. Um, it is. Um, hopefully choo choo <laughs> stop we're just hoping choo choo motherfucker choo choo <laughs> hoping we see who gets off uh-huh. come, and, come and join us at the pack of cans yes exactly <laughs> Ashman already asks us to cut straight to it we've tried um, any word on who's staying who's leaving and who's coming to the club Stay tuned. tuned. <laughs> well, I think there's at least two exclusives in this um, podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Ken, Listen Ken, up, Kenny, Kenny mentioned, yeah, obviously Beer is staying, DDS going. So, is what it is. Um, TC Redline has some very kind words to say, saying that the podcast has been awesome all year. Um, and hang on, what? Aaron has always been spot on too. This is a burner. This Found is old. Yeah. About the VAR. Yeah, no, I think um, no, <laughs> that's a fair that's a fair question. Didn't know you uh, had your own Mia Hampton. And I did rant about it again. So sorry, who am I thanking? Uh, TC Redline on the Thank you, TC Redline for that. TC Redline also mentions um, or asks do you see this year as an anomaly for us and has normal service been resumed far out? I hope not. No and no. Uh Yes, but no. <laughs> you, you know. Without going too far into it, I think it was a little bit of an anomaly and there were things that were probably helping us early on in the season. Um, but I think even with that, I think we've built a decent enough benchmark yep. and culture on and off the pitch to, to not go back to where we were. Carry it forward and, um, you know, who knows? We could be one of those mediocre clubs like um, MacArthur Rams or um, Adelaide who came fifth and sixth. <laughs> Bring on the age of mediocrity. That's, I um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really... Rude. What I think... Yeah, no, no, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Coastal Raider, I think this might have been a question for, uh, for Ken, which he might have covered off there. It was a, a, around anticipation uh, around the coaching change. Um, hopefully Ken's answered that for you. Uh, Mel Andrews uh, also asked about the um, club sort of backroom coaching staff, um, which is another one that Ken has touched on there as well. Um, Alex Zuck over on Twitter. All right, boys, my question is, what can you say to give me hope? After spending last Sunday and Monday drying my seven-year-old's eyes following the loss to MacArthur, um, was he drying your eyes, Moswell? I haven't (laughs) had the heart to tell him that Stadgy's gone and half the players are moving on. Was 2021 just a mirage? Well, um, I think 2021 is, it's a season you can tell your seven-year-old that you can be proud of. Absolutely proud of and hashtag a new hope. Um, Good times, baby. Yeah. I mean, in saying half the players are moving on, the only real losses as far as I'm concerned are Clisby and De Silva. And I mean, Clisby even still is, that's just purely based on the fact that there aren't really any other Australian left backs going around. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think Ken mentioned it. Obviously, we've got Hatchie there. That yep. is naturally a left back, even though uh, when he's come on in the A-League a couple of times, he's played up higher. The front. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, but I think a name that Ken mentioned is... Uh, uh, Otter for Perth. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really good this season. Oh, yeah. Obviously, with Clisby going over there. Does Clisby take his spot? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Otter was there on, was on, loan. on loan. So, right. I mean, if he's, I assume if he's there on loan, I'm not actually sure what his actual club is. I assume it's in Japan, but mm. I'm not sure. If he's there on loan, my assumption is that he probably wasn't getting any game time at his actual club. Is there 
a potential that he can come here? I have, I have no idea. I've I no got idea. three words for you. Come to Mariner. Mariner. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. My hope, spine. I've already, we've already banged on about it, but it looks to me like the spine that I wanted to sort of think that was going to still be here at the end is coming together quite nicely. Thanks, Berries. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some parts you can debate um, whether you think um, it, it's good or bad um, that uh, players leave and which players do leave, but in that spinal area, then I think we're doing pretty well and I still have great hope that the remains of the spine that we're looking for will come together. Stay tuned. <laughs> You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. I love you. No homo. Isn't it? It's noticeable that I turned to shit after about 7.30. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> Don't fucking record that. It's already recorded. <laughs> done. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's in there. That's not even going in the <laughs> outtakes. <laughs> well, as Morrow has just admitted that he turns to shit after 7.30 and we approach uh, well after 7.30, <laughs> I think it's probably time for us to, uh, to start wrapping this one up. Fellas, it's been uh, lengthy. It has been an absolute pleasure, as always. Yes. Um, a fun season of doing the podcast for once, uh, talking about wins and mostly positive things. Uh, all new equipment, nice and shiny. Shout out to everyone that um, donated and helped us out with that because we were definitely overdue for an upgrade. Hopefully we sound nice and professional. Uh, I think what's, what's the plan? We're going to do this. We're going to do... This isn't it. This is not the last you've it. heard from the Coast Football Ramble podcast. You cannot no. get us... Get rid of us that easy. I don't know if we'll be here next week because Pete will be Pete and Moz most likely will be recovering from the medal dinner. I'll do it. I'll it's do it from the medal dinner. Fuck it. I'll do it live. You do it live. <laughs> so I mean, maybe with the expected news uh, that we may get in the next week or so. Maybe not next week, but the week after. I my think phone we'll, just I fell th- off. I reckon we'll be back next week. Okay. I so reckon. you know, maybe sometime maybe next week. Just an late inkling. next yeah. week. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we're talking to one of our new re-signings or yeah. we've been threatening to do it signings. I think we should so are we threatening are <laughs> <laughs> threatening to Black, assault we've been your ears <laughs> no, no, we've, be careful we've come good oh, on the assaulting your ears we'll be, we'll be back next week <laughs> <laughs> you better look out <laughs> now that is it from us here at the Coast Football Ramble thank you all so much for tuning in we love you all so very much and we will see you next week as promised as threatened <laughs> that's it love ya see ya bye Josh and Morrow. Lads, 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 lads. Good evening. Live lads. Live lads. Live lads. <sighs> Josh Howe off the bench. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm back. 90th minute substitute. Motherfucker, I just realised I fucked up the intro. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> There's an outtake right there. Oh, I forgot to mention Ken's on the show. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Well, you mentioned... Fuck it, we're doing it again. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned... Take Luke, two. Josh.
We had a bit of news last week um, after the elimination final, and I know that we've we've just spoken about it with uh, with Uncle Ken, but um, we should probably yeah maybe maybe look a little bit uh, a little bit deeper at this as uh, Dave Jordan enters the room and completely fucks up my spiel. <laughs> 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 the microphone's on. <laughs> oh, hey, Unlike Dave. <laughs> John McConaughey. Um, I called him McConaughey. That's mean. It's nearly eight o'clock, and that's Stop what happens. Now. <laughs> Fuck. That's an outtake, surely. Yeah. I'll just send it to him personally. <laughs> <laughs>